shotglassdigital.com. this episode of Geek Out Loud, news has broken. Spider-Man coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're going to talk about that and so much more on your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud Podcast. again everyone and welcome to geek out loud kind of odd to be doing a geek out loud so soon on the heels of finally getting that charity marathon released the big four hour plus extravaganza featuring eris shonavice scott rife and teresa delgado jimmy mack and his entire family as well as dave jones who was cut from that show but we'll be hearing from him later on in this episode to round out that part of the charity marathon that we did back on January 24th. And again, uh, still kind of a warm glow from that whole experience. It was a great time, and I appreciate everyone who was a part of it. What a huge, huge deal it was on January 24th. That whole week, uh, the charity page was up, and we ended up raising $1,635 for CureChildhoodCancer.org. So uh, we'll be doing it again next year. And looking forward to that. But uh, there's been some news break. There's been some news break. And I wondered if, you know, if I should just do kind of a, this is a breaking news segment from Geek Out Loud. But I'm not breaking the news. I'm just commenting on the news. I am an editorializer. Yes, that's right. Editorializer? Is that a word? Is that a word? Is editorializer a word? Anybody in the chat who knows words? We're live at Mixer.com slash Goliverse, where you can hear all of our Goliverse shows recorded live. And a lot of times I use the chat for the help that they need. The Mixer Zoo Crew, we call them. We thank everyone who's chosen to take, uh, man, post 10 o'clock on a Tuesday night Eastern to, uh, to hang out with us in the chat. I tried to give everyone a chance to watch Agent Carter and uh, everything else. Um so editorializer still waiting to see if that's a if that's new if that is a word editorializer anyone editorial editorializer editorializer i'll just i'm going to say i'm an editorializer because i i'm one who editorializes boom anyhow uh moving right along want to thank everyone who has joined us mixer.com slash goalovers if you've never joined us in the chat you should the people are friendly we don't let people flame one another. I will throw the band hammer down quickly 
on folks uh, who choose who choose to harass others. So I just want to say you're welcome here in the chat. Unless you're a bot. If you are a bot, boom, you get the ban hammer. Because I love exercising that power. I'm a, I get kind of power hungry that way. Uh, if you want to help out the shows financially, which we'd appreciate if you would, Amazon.com is a place to go. And to go there, head over to geekoutpodcast.com or geekoutonline.com. At both websites, there are links to Amazon you can use to uh, to help the shows out. And it really does help the show out when you do your shopping through those links. Uh, I think you're supposed to clear your cookies before you click those links to make sure that all the coding and everything gets done properly. Uh, so that we get the right uh, referral fees and that sort of thing. But if you'll do that, it greatly helps out the show. If you want to directly impact the show, though, you can head over to patreon.com slash geekoutloud. That was head over. I, I went head over. I, I don't know what happened to my mouth just then, but it like stopped working between words. You can head over to patreon.com slash geekoutloud, and uh, you can you can be a part of the Patreon, the, the, the Guardians of the Goliverse. Uh, that's what we call the folks who help us out at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. And any level you donate at, you become a member of the Goliverse Wall of Fame, such as this week's featured supporter, our good friend Rebecca Dravenstadt, a member of a four-woman super team. Rebecca controls the element of fire, creating it with her mind, using it to burn away evil. Also, she was bestowed a magic ring from her grandma Bilbo that grants her invisibility. So that is our featured supporter, Rebecca Drabenstadt, who I believe is still in the state of New York. She's in a New York state of man. And we thank her and all of our Patreon supporters for their support. The Iron Man 3 exclusive commentary was supposed to go out this past weekend. However, as I sat down to record on Sunday, my voice, there was no way it was going to hold up for a two-hour long, two-hour-plus-long session of commentary so be looking for that very soon in your patreon feeds those of you who are at the five dollar level or more uh there for your exclusive podcast i'm going to try to do something else a little special since it's so late and getting to you here in the month of february i do apologize for the lateness of that the exclusive shirts are on their way to you uh some of you already have them in hand i hope that when you get said exclusive shirts you will take some manner of picture post it on social media Tag at Geek Out Loud, tag at the Goliverse, and hashtag it Guardian of the Goliverse or some such. I don't know, but just at least get that out there on social media so people can see these things and see what they're missing. We um, <clears throat> are actually going ahead with the process of putting in uh, the order for our second exclusive shirt that's going to go in uh, to, to the printer so we can begin to get it mailed out as well. As I told you guys way back when, if you're doing this on a monthly basis, there's no reason that on a regular basis, not monthly, because then all the funds would be eating up, eating up getting you guys your shirts. But, uh, but at least, you know, at least every quarter we can try to get you guys a new shirt. So um, that's just part of it, man. If I'm going to be doing an exclusive pod monthly, get you guys. And some of the shirts, what we'll do is we'll hold off and then we'll put them on sale uh, to those of you who, who were not able to get them, uh, for free, um, or for your donations, not necessarily free. Gosh, you guys, are, the point is this, you guys are doing a huge deal to support me. And I want to make sure that you're getting your money's worth, not just with this mediocrity. See, I'm, 
I'm stammering, I'm stammering and stumbling and stuttering all over the place already. We're not even five minutes in. Listen, you're paying for mediocrity. That's what you get. But this year, the goal is to break through to good. Getting good in 2015, that's that's a slogan that does not rhyme. So we're going to have to come up with a new slogan that rhymes and has some rhythm to it so that we can, you know, live up to what we want the, to do in that slogan, and that is getting good in 2015. And so I think the first part of getting good is getting beyond a mediocre slogan. Let's let's come up with a real thing. You know, getting, getting mean in 2015. No, because that's not good. Um, I don't know. Anyhow, here we go. Oh, there, before we get into everything, you know, the show proper, I have a confession to make. Um, so many times I use these podcasts as an outlet to try to help me be a better person, to try to help me uh, fix things in myself that need to be fixed. I've in the past, done some weight loss with that. Now, granted, put the pounds right back on, but that's not you guys' fault. That's my fault because I stopped letting you hold me accountable and I stopped being accountable to you. Um, and, and and I'm very every day. I'm aware of of how much I need to get back on that train, and I'll start to get on, then I'll jump off, and then I'll tuck and roll, and you know all this stuff. But but I do feel like sometimes if I can bring my honest problems in my life um, to you guys that a lot of times your support helps me out. I've, I get emails a lot of people who say, you know, you helped me through a hard time in high school or college. You helped me through this issue in my life. You helped me through this in my life. And and that means a lot to me. But you guys need to know how much you helped me out in life. I need to confess at this point in time on the podcast, I this is hard and I'm sorry to I'm sorry to get so heavy and real right out of the gate, but we'll we'll get to some fun stuff. But I wanted to go ahead and get this out of the way so that we could get to the fun part of the show. Um I don't I don't know what to do about a situation that has arisen in my life. Um I don't really know even where to go to for help. Um, I have a problem. I, I have, um, I'm just going to say this. I, I have an addiction. Um, and it's something that I never thought that I would be, I never thought that I would get into this. I never thought that I would have these kinds of issues and um because i i thought i was just going to avoid it i thought i was going to stay away i thought never not me this isn't me this isn't something that i want to ever have in my life this is not this is not who i am i i have <clears throat> I'm addicted to the six-inch Star Wars line of action figures. They're called the Black Series. It's an it's it's not, and and the problem is is I I want to collect them all. I do, I do, but I I just I missed it. I I miss some of the, I miss some of the stuff 
that came out earlier because I wasn't going to be a part of it. I wasn't going to have anything to do with it. And someone gave me one for my birthday. And I'm like, well, now I got to, I got to check this out. I got to see what else is out there. And they're really good looking figures. And, and, and the packaging is just kind of simple and a little bit elegant in its simplicity. And, and oh my Lanta, I am just, I can't, I can't, I can't get over it. And, and they're just, they're amazing figures. And so I'm just going to have to, um, guys, I, I can't buy them. I can't, and I'm not going to continue to do so. Um, but just know that if I ever sound shaky or, or weird, it's because I'm looking at pictures of them on the internet and drooling all over my microphone. So, um, you know, um, just know that. Also, uh, speaking of Star Wars stuff, uh, I've made some additions to the Star Wars room uh, over the past several days and, and, and such as. So I, I procured some, a while back, I procured some pegboard like you like you see in in hardware stores and such as and I guess regular stores, and um, and I spray painted it black because I just felt like that'd probably be the color to do it, and and finally I have hung said board on my walls, and uh, am hanging carded figures on there. So I will try to get pictures up as soon as all that's on, and up from you know I got to dig I got to find these things they're deep in the closet so I got to get into the closet and. Um, and, and, and get those, get those figures out and, and hang them up. But as soon as they are, I'll, I'll put some, I'll put some pictures up in, um, on the Facebook. So I'm just excited. It's an exciting addition to me, um, for the Star Wars room. I always like playing around in here and, and making it a little bit better because I, a lot of times I just will let it go. You know, I'll get some stuff set up and then I'll just kind of let things go and sit there and, um, you know, and, and moving figures and, and stuff around is an excuse to play with your toys. Let's be honest. That's, that's what it is. Uh, listen, I feel like I'm drowning so far here in the opening minutes. I've, I'm stum- I'm stammering and stumbling over my words. I am, my, I feel like my bits are coming up a bit short. I feel like, uh, you know, so I am depending on the, the emailers, the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe to bring it all back around. We begin with Cody. Cody says, Hey Steve, there's an exclamation point there. That's why I read it that way. I wanted to send in a quick email to ask what you think of the new power Superman has. The Super Flare, as it seems to be called. And he gave me a link to comic book resources. Uh, DC Comics charts Superman's first new power in decades. Ahead of the debut of the new the Man of Steel's new power in costume in Wednesday's Superman number 38, DC Comics has released a graphic charting the history of his ability from super speed to flight and now uh, to Super Flare. The conclusion of the Men of Tomorrow storyline by Jeff Johns, John Romita Jr., and Klaus Janssen. Wasn't he the bad guy in Die Hard? The new issue apparently climaxes with the unleashing of what the writer calls the most destructive power Superman has. And he's not exactly excited about it because it's so dangerous and there are consequences, Johns said. 
DC Bill, Bill, uh, builds rather Super Flare Superman's first new power in decades, which, judging from the rather incomplete graphic, may be a reference to the addition of Heat Vision in 1949. Of course, the Man of Steel has sported new abilities since then, as recently as 1998 Superman Red, Superman Blue storyline. Here is the chart, as it were, um, from them. He has gotten a redesigned new costume. Uh, there in the new 52, the, the red trunks still aren't there, but it's less armory. Uh, he's, it looks as though he's got the sleeves still going down over the hands. Um, John Romita Jr. drawing Superman. I'm looking at, at an image of uh, kind of an alternate cover right now. Uh, it's John Romita Jr. doing Superman. You know, John Romita Jr., talented artist, good stuff. Uh, I, I don't know if he's minimalist. I'd like to see... I'd like to see a really good inker get a hold of his stuff because sometimes I feel like he's a little too sketchy. His his pictures have a little bit too much sketch to them. Uh, here's what the chart says. Chart says 1938 super speed, super strength, both in 1938. Super hearing and x-ray vision in vulnerability in 1939. Flight in 1941. Until then, he was able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. And heat vision in 1949 and heat vision was originally just the x-ray vision causing things to melt he would he would ramp up the the, the intensity i guess of the x-ray vision now this is not taking into account as the reader so succinctly or the writer of this article so succinctly put it the the superman red superman blue superman went through a phase of like electricity electrical powers where he he literally became this electrical being and then he split into two, a blue version of that and a red version of that. And uh, they brought it all back together to the Superman we know and love uh, in a story called Superman Forever with a great cover done by Alex Ross. It was lenticular, and it started with Clark, you know, uh, taking his glasses off, kind of looking up, and then ripping that shirt open. And then, like, the last image was uh, boots, you know, as, with a red streak behind him as he's flying up into the air. Um... They're also not taking into account the stuff in Smallville. There, there was a situation in Smallville where he was bestowed the power to hear people's thoughts. Um, and it seemed like there were a couple of other things he did in Smallville that, that were kind of newish powers that didn't stick around necessarily. Uh, they don't mention super hearing on this list. So, or super smell. He also had super hypnotism back in the old Silver Age. So there's a lot here, but the super flare looks like he's just kind of from inside himself blowing things up. It seems stupid, but it's probably awesome. That's how I will respond to that, Cody. Yeah, uh, it, it it seems it seem I don't know. It doesn't seem like a Superman type power. It seems as foreign and exotic as the Superman red, Superman blue stuff to me. It really does, but. It could end up being very awesome. It throws a good monkey in the wrench as far as Superman's morality and how far he has to go and is willing to push himself to go because with this kind of destructive power comes the temptation to just use this, you know, to, to, end, to end something if need be. So it, it could definitely throw something in the work. Now, Cody Murphy chimes in. He says, hey, Steve, the last few years have been a veritable golden age of superheroes in the pop culture, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the magnum opus of superhero cinematic greatness. 
and there's only been one MCU film that I do not like, and he puts in parentheses Iron Man 3. However, with the MCU setting the bar extremely high in terms of the quality of the films, it has caused Fox and Sony to double down on the franchises they own. So my question for you, Steve, is how should I treat the movies made about the Marvel properties that have not that have yet to come home? Last year I saw all four Marvel Comics-based films that were released and those that were not in the MCU, I intentionally walked in wanting to pick it apart and looked for things not to like. That is a mindset that is completely counterintuitive to someone who's been a loyal member of the Goliverse for nearly seven years. I want to go in and like these films, but there's the nagging thought in the back of my mind just how much better these films could be if Marvel could get their hands on them and do them justice. Just like Superman, the Muppets, and Terminator before them, the Goliverse is fostering a new fandom for the Fantastic Four. If I could only pick up, if I could pick only one of the three licensed properties that could revert back to Marvel, it would be the Fantastic Four because Marvel Studios would expertly breathe new life into that franchise and be true to its comic roots. None of this interstellar ripoff, I want cosmic rays, I want Doctor Doom being a Latverian dictator, I want a movie that is truly fantastic. So this finds me picking apart the teaser and hoping for its failure, which I know is not the Goliverse way. I desperately want the Fantastic Four to go home because Marvel without the Fantastic Four is like DC without Superman. What advice do you give to someone who is becoming the very hater that he knows he should not be? Also, I think you've mentioned this before. What are the best titles to read for someone who is new to the Fantastic Four? Thanks, and keep geeking on. Yours in the Goliverse, Cody Murphy. Hey, Cody. Uh, Well, first off, I would say just don't do that. Don't walk in looking to pick something apart. Go see something because you're excited and you really want to see it or you're curious to see it. But go with no expectations as best you can. That's hard when you're stepping into something like Avengers Age of Ultron. I think we're all really expecting it to be just this amazing thing. I have to be honest and say over the past few weeks and re-watching those trailers over and over again because I have. I'm starting to be I'm starting to be a little iffy about it. I, I'm I don't know what corner they're turning and knowing that they're bringing Civil War around and Civil War was just a was just a concept I didn't enjoy in in the Marvel universe and it really did. You know, a lot of times these big events happen and everyone complains that the events happen and then once they're over everything goes back to normal. Since Civil War, I don't feel like the Marvel universe has ever been the same since that Civil War storyline. I really don't. We've talked about that before. Um, and and because I know we're headed toward Captain America's Civil War, I, I, I tend to look at Avengers the Age of Ultron as maybe the first step in that general direction, and I'm not, and it makes me a little less anticipatory or in, yeah, for it than, than I should be or would be. So, um, so I'm having to prep myself to go in with no expectations, not even, not necessarily even low expectations, just no expectations, just go experience that movie in and of itself. And even though these movies, the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies are all connected, that's how you need to go watch each of these movies is as its own thing. Or if it's a direct sequel to a movie that's come before, for example, uh, Thor 2 being, you know, Thor the Dark World being a sequel to Thor. Don't necessarily, and even though they mention New York, and and of course it's going to be tied in a little bit, try to see if it can stand on its own merits within the you know within that franchise. If there were no connected universe, because I think that matters in a way. Um, I feel like Captain America is getting the shaft by doing the Civil War thing and bringing Iron Man in. I know they have a bigger 
plan and a bigger you know thing at play to lead into Infinity War. But at the same time, I feel like there's a lot of good stuff they could have done with Captain America and not gone down the Civil War route. And I feel, and I'm in the minority. I mean, listen, I recognize that there are a lot of people who loved what Civil War was and who love what it brought to the Marvel Universe. And I recognize I'm in the minority, and that's why I don't really make a big stink about it, because, you know, there's no sense in in pitching a fit. Let's just go along for the ride and see if it's any fun. With this new Fantastic Four movie, you know, honestly, I've been very critical of some of the concepts and ideas that we've heard about. Uh, Watched the trailer, and it was pretty to look at, I guess, but what I wanted to see was more of their powers. I wanted to see them more in, you know, rather than just little snippets here. And granted, it was just a teaser. But, you know, I'm hoping that sooner than later, we'll see a little bit more of who these people are. We'll get to start to kind of see some of their personality because that's what's got to come across for me in those trailers to make me a little bit less iffy about the movie itself that's coming down the pipe. So I think the key is to just go in and, and and try to put any expectations you have on the back burner and just experience the movie and just have a good time with it if you can. And if it ends up not being good, you walk out and, and, and it's not good. My experience in a movie theater usually goes something like this. I go in, I watch it. I may enjoy it in the moment and walk out and never think about it or watch it again. Um. And, and then it'll be after about five or six months when I'm like, you know, I never did watch that again, that I'll realize, oh, I didn't really like it that much. And that's that, you know. And, and, and sometimes people convince me to give another shot. Sometimes people won't. I've not watched X-Men Days of Future Past since I saw it that day in the theater last summer. And... I don't have a desire to go back and watch it again. I've almost bit the bullet and picked it up here or there, but it's just like, I don't know that I, I, you know, it's just one of those things. And it's not that I feel like no one should like it. I'm just saying for me, I didn't like it, but I went in, you know, really no real expectations, kind of, you know, interested to see it. I was interested to see it and I watched it and, and it was what it was while I was watching it. And it wasn't, and as I was walking out we had to kind of digest and process it as we're talking to people. It's another reason I like to go to the movies by myself because when I leave, it's just me and my thoughts and I don't have to really talk it out with the people I'm with. Um, but you know, I realized it's just kind of, it, it fell a little flat with me. So rather than make a big deal about it, and, and that's another thing. Just because other people like something doesn't mean you have to. And just because you don't like something doesn't mean other people have to not like it. And it's not an insult if someone doesn't like something you like, unless it's the prequels. Um, I'm kidding. Totally kidding. So I think that's the attitude really to take with all this stuff. It's just go in, no expectations, and just enjoy it for what it is in the moment. And if you leave and you're like, I don't really care to see that again, okay, you're done. Move along, you know. There's going to be something coming out real soon, you know. Uh, we, we're, we're, we're 309 days away from Star Wars at the time of this recording. Um, what are the best titles to read for someone who's new to the Fantastic Four? I would say, especially if you have the Marvel Unlimited app, to go back and read the John Byrne run um, from back in the 80s. Uh, that was some good stuff. Um, I would read from around issue, mm, uh, it'd be volume one. I, 
I really dug what they did from around issue 300 or 301. I think 300, 301 is when Reed and Sue left. And then they brought in the new, they brought in Crystal to replace uh, one of them. And they brought in Miss Marvel to, to replace another one, which led to Thing getting mutated again and Miss Marvel in it. And from 300, 301, 302 to about, three, really about 350. 350 is a great just continuation, continuing story arc. Beyond that, things start to kind of fall off a little bit, but through there you go through some great creative stuff. There, there are moments that will refer you back to other things that you can check out and read. Um, and, oh, man, yeah, all the Burn run, John Burns run, geez, maybe issue 200 through about 350. Of, of volume one of Fantastic Four. Those 150 comics. Um, some are going to be great. Some are going to be not so good. Some are going to be right out bad. Some are going to be confusing. But in that, I think you'll get a good cross-section of, of the Fantastic Four. I know that's a ton. But hey, just, you know, you got time. Go for it. Um, Cody also chimes in. Cody Murphy, twice in a row. Now, on the last... On the last episode, we rekindled the fire uh, that was started here, um, picked up with, but not not necessarily picked up from this podcast, uh, but our friend Joey Tavano checked out, uh, he, he has a blog called Zap To It, let me make sure I'm getting this right, I'm sorry, not Zap To It, RetroZap.com, RetroZap.com, Joey Tavano's podcast, and, um, and he wrote a blog, Padme didn't die of a broken heart. And we talked about this over several episodes back last year, which, you know, I kind of put on the sideburn. I said, I don't know if I agree with this thought because our friend Tim had emailed in and said that he thought Palpatine did it. Um, and I said, I don't know if I think I, I don't really know if I like that idea or not. I don't think it makes a lot of sense. But then I'm listening to Joey talk about it. I'm like, yeah, it does. I guess it does make a little bit of sense. Cody chimes in on this. He said, so in your most recent episode, you revisit a topic I've been thinking about a lot in recent months. Who really killed Padme? In my semi-defunct because of law school blog. Oh, Cody's in law school. Someone we need to get to know, ladies and gentlemen. Bothanulogy.wordpress.com. Um, he says, I had posited a theory that it was actually Anakin who killed Padme. But it was not intentional. I do not believe for a minute that it was the result of a broken heart. If you look carefully at the asteroid scenes, focus on the words the medical droid says. Medically, she is perfectly healthy, but for reasons we cannot explain, she has lost the will to live. I take you back to the conversation about droids that Dex had with Obi-Wan in Episode 2 and how they are not the catch-all for knowledge in the galaxy. That's right. Dex says, I figure you Jedi would know the difference between knowledge and uh, <laughs> wisdom. It stands to hold that someone like Padme, who uh, is intimately connected to one who is so strongly forced, would be affected in a way droids could not possibly comprehend. We know that the ability to use the force is one that can be passed down through children, and we see that we see hints in the movie and the novelization that those who have intimate relationships with oh Lord, intimate relations, show me gonna have relations, show me gonna have relations with powerful force wielders. Wow. How about this? Haven't thought of the Nutty Professor in ages, and I just went there. Come on, Cletus. Come on. 
You might walk over here, Cletus. You would limp back. You hear me? You would limp back, Cletus. Shimmy gonna have relations. Shimmy gonna have relations. <laughs> Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. Look at my little Hercules baby. Uh, sorry. Uh, Nutty Professor, the original Nutty Professor with Eddie Murphy. Check it out. If you haven't visited in a while, it is funny stuff. Um, <laughs> let me see here. Lou Rawls. Teddy Pendergrass. Teddy P. Um, the scene where Padme is in her apartment, Anakin in the Jedi Temple, and they sat in silence before he made his fateful decision to go to Palpatine's office comes to mind as evidence of that connection. So it is purely speculative, my purely speculative theory that because of the close bond between Anakin and Padme, as Anakin fell to the dark side and Lord Vader was born, the dark side of the Force through Anakin was poisoning her. If we are led to believe that Padme died the same time Darth Vader was becoming fully realized, the two had to be interconnected. Anakin may not have intentionally killed Padme, but it was the dark side through Vader reaching out and snuffing out Anakin's last tie to his humanity. So when Anakin became entombed in the Vader suit, Padme could not hold on. She was only able to survive as long as she did because of the twins, for they were the lights responsible to triumph of the dark. Luke and Leia kept their mother alive. Once they were born, Padme's connection to the light was severed, and she shortly perished. Now, if this were the case, why couldn't Yoda and Obi-Wan figure this out? My theory is that the Jedi, in their dogma and code that led to their downfall, did not understand the connection as well. Jedi were not allowed to love. They were not allowed to have relations or attachments. It stands to reason that the ancient Jedi of old knew of the problem that incurred for people who were connected to others who fell to the dark side of the Force and for the protection of non-Force users completely severed the Jedi's ability to have such attachment. However, after thousands of years in place, a policy behind a rule is often lost. In my home state of Kentucky, it's illegal to have an ice cream cone in your back pocket. Hmm. Well, thank you. Cody, it's good to know. <laughs> A law that seems ridiculous today, but in context made sense. For back in the 1800s, people would put ice cream cones in their back pockets and use it as a means to lure horses to steal them. Oh, okay. Now that we're 100 years removed from the horse being the primary means of transportation, the law seems silly if you don't understand the proper context. This is someone who's in law school, ladies and gentlemen. In the new story group canon, I do not know if they have covered when the Jedi instituted their no-attachment policy, but it stands to reason that if something has been set in place for centuries or even millennia of Jedi history, the reasoning behind it could be lost on modern Jedi who understand it as the status quo. Therefore, not even Yoda nor Obi-Wan understood or had the time to figure out exactly what was happening to Padme. Of course, this is all pure speculation and will not be verified unless uh, Lucasfilm decides to tackle this topic, but I thought I would throw my thoughts in for your next episode. And that comes from Cody. Cody, I think that's fantastic speculation you like a little hercules of speculation oh hercules 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 eat some bread baby um i feel like uh i feel like you make a good point i do feel like padme and anakin's connection has a lot to do with her death um and 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 not so much palpatine reaching out to kill, I don't know. I've been back and forth on this thing over the past few days and weeks, but I do like the idea that she and Anakin had a connection, and as he, you know, as his light flickered out, so to speak, hers did as well, um, and which makes that relationship all that much more creepy and unfortunate. 
Uh, Dylan chimes in with some really cool stuff. This comes from io9.com. Uh, it says, um, there's a rumor out. Let me see if they credit this. There's a rumor, uh, that says the third G.I. Joe movie will bring the twins Tomax and Zaymod as the film's antagonist. Uh, but the, the Joe team will be bringing Matt Tracker and the Mobile Armored Strike Command to fight Cobra in this installment. Now, if you don't know what Mobile Armored Strike Command is, um, it's Mask. Funny crime, funny crime, secret raiders who will neutralize and the rise. Mask was a cool toy line that had a cartoon with it, of course. Uh, put out by Kenner back in the day, and it was basically two groups of people, Mask and Venom, which would make sense if, if uh, Venom comes into play to team up with Cobra. Um, and they had vehicles that had either like weapon systems that would pop up or they would completely change into another vehicle. Um, so, for example, Matt Tracker drove this red sports car that the doors would pop up on the side and it would be able to fly. Uh, the bad guy drove a helicopter that turned into a jet. Um, they had all kinds. Of, it was just this really cool thing, you know, when I was a kid that I loved it. 75 episodes long. Um, it wasn't quite the... Uh, the monster that um, that Transformers was, or even He-Man, but it was there. I mean, it was definitely part of a lot of our childhoods. Now, um, several years ago, Hasbro did release Matt Tracker as a GI Joe figure, um, so it very well could be that this is true. Uh, film Divider has the rumor. Uh, that the DJ Caruso-directed film will include at least Tracker. According to the studio's current plans, Matt Tracker will be stepping up onto the big screen. He was the lead character of Mask or Mobile Armored Strike Command. That's with a K. A Kenner toy line and cartoon from the 80s. Tracker joining G.I. Joe suggests that Mask will be introduced either in this film, set up for a sequel, or possibly established in their own spinoff. It's easy to see why Hasbro and Paramount would like this idea. I agree. I agree. I, I do feel like that the G.I. Joe films need a little bit of work. Um, I feel like they need some of the same oomph that the uh, uh, the Fast and Furious franchise got uh, late in its, in its thing. I, the, the neat thing about what the Fast and Furious franchise did is they did not reboot. They continued on and decided, let's, you know, we're going to, we're going to not just put out uh, I don't know. I've not seen them, but from what I've heard, that they went away from kind of a mediocre formula and said, "Let's just make these things as, as awesome action films as we can." You know, as fast paced and high octane uh, with story, and and I think that GI Joe needs to do that. That'd be an interesting topic to revisit on on a Geek Out Loud in the future. Uh, John chimes in. He says, "Hi, Steve. Long time listener and first time emailer. Woohoo! Wanted to chime in on the Palpatine kids pa- kills Padme theory." Well, I say kudos to those for coming up with an alternative to the died of a broken heart thing. And again, I think it's it's imperative upon us all, if we're going to go into this conversation, to forget saying died of a broken heart. That is that is something that was put out there by the masses. It is not in the film. 
The film, quote, is she has lost, it's as if she has lost the will to live. That she is perfectly healthy. Medically, she's perfectly healthy, but it's as if she's lost the will to live. And everyone says she's dying. Um, so, John says he still doesn't agree with it, though. The reason for this is, I think, giving Palpatine the power to mind zap and kill his enemies from across the galaxy is a story-breaking power. If he had this power, why do you need a Death Star? Or Darth Vader, for that matter. It's like, oh, Mon Mothma is starting an insurgency? Mind zap. Problem solved. Leia Organa is part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor? Mind zap. Problem solved. Anyway, I thought I'd share my two cents on the topic. You make a great point, John. I think the idea here, and, and what Joey was positing, is that he actually took Padme's life force and channeled it into Darth Vader so that he could live through the process that he was having to go through. Um, in his, you know, He was near death's door as it was. I don't necessarily subscribe that fully to it. Um, I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that Palpatine... I'm back and forth on this thing, but I will say this that I do feel like that it's not something that Palpatine could just do with anybody. I feel like that because of Palpatine's connection to Anakin and his connection to Anakin, that there was a tether there uh, to her. Um, that's the argument that can be made, that he can't just mind zap anybody. That's not how the Force works. Also, because of their relationship in the past, he was the senator from the planet of which she was a queen. When she became senator, she worked closely with him as the chancellor. So I think that the idea that there's a connection between those two that goes beyond just, I know who this person is and what they're up to. Um, there, are other thing, there are other holes in the theory that I have a problem with, but um, I, I lean more to what Cody was saying a lot of times than this other. But I go back and forth. But you make a great point, John. You make a great point. But it's one that, like I say, I think we could get around the Minds app thing. If we were going to be married to this. Moving on, Tad chimes in from the uh, what the the uh, gamma gamma omega lambda. Yes, that's the geek out loud gamma omega lambda goal. The uh, the goaliverse. That's that's our frat or our sorority or what are the coed things called? Do they have coed fraternities or fraternities? Anyone in the chat? Are there co-ed fraternities slash sororities? Anybody? Anyone? Anyone? Anyone in the chat there? Hmm. No? No. No one? No one. Tad in the Tad is actually in the chat and he says he doesn't get the frat thing. Tad, it's the name Tad. Uh I'm I'm kinda giving you a hard time about the name Tad. Um, the fact that, uh, the fact that, you know, it sounds like someone who's in a frat. Sounds like you're wearing your, uh, wearing your sweater around your neck, you know, tied off. Uh, so, but it also sounds like you went to Harvard. So, <laughs> Daniel Lenny says, don't put up with that, Tad. Okay, I gotta find out about this fraternity sorority thing. Let me because that could very well be the next uh, shirt, the 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 coed uh, fraternity. How would I do this? Coed fraternity? Is there such a thing? Can coed fraternities solve? No. Uh, what is a coed fraternity? Um, so they're calling it a coed fraternity. Fraternity life might call to mind. Blah blah blah. 
co-ed fraternities in Title IX. A co-ed fraternity is also known as a service fraternity because its sole purpose is promoting community service amongst... Yep, we got this. We got this. Boom. I like the idea of a co-ed fraternity called Gamma Omega Lambda. And we'll put those we'll put those Greek letters on a shirt and and you can and people know what's that? It's it's the goal fraternity. We're co ed. Pineapple bagel. Oh yeah, pineapple bagel. I forgot about that. Can we call it pineapple bagel even with the goal letters? <laughs> That's Pineapple Bagel is the big honking show frat. So it it joined in with this pa 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 why not pa 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 anyhow tad chimes in he says this is my first email to this show though i'm always listening i adore the show and you and i share similar tastes in a lot of ways of geekdom so a few things see me and tad we're bros we're gold bros gamma omega uh first off i have a plan of attack uh first off i have a plan to a plan of attack for my geek energies this year I'm going to just focus on Marvel Cinematic Universe films until Age of Ultron comes out, then enjoy that for a few weeks, and then go full Star Wars until December 18th. Going full Star Wars. And my Marvel geeking out along with some of the movies I've been reading, The Incredible Hulk from issue one on the Marvel Unlimited, and loving it as he's always been one of my favorite comic book heroes. I've been going back, I've been reading the FF since from, from issue one here lately as well. We'll be talking about that a little bit more. I've also been reading the X-Men from the beginning as Magneto is one of my all-time favorite comic book characters. Also in the midst of being in Marvel mode, I read a rehashing of the myth that Disney is going to release the unauthorized Star Wars cuts, and I reminded the people believing it that Fox owns distribution of 1 through 3 and 5 and 6 until 2020 and 4 in perpetuity. So any Disney release of the old films would require doing a deal with Fox. Then it dawned on me... With all of the heat between these two companies in regard to X-Men and Fantastic Four franchise, franchises, do you think that would cause Fox to play it tough and not allow Disney access to the distribution rights of the five films until 2020 and the main film forever? If I were Fox and had the cheap tactics done to my franchises in the comics, I would, minify, I would maximize the cheap tactics toward Disney. It may not be good for the fans, but the studios are like children at times, and I cannot say Disney has not asked for it. Um... I'm still kind of up in the air, especially now with the revealing of what Secret Wars is. I'm really up in the air as to as to just what the purpose behind some of the stuff is as far as canceling Fantastic Four, uh, killing off Wolverine. I've been reading that story arc, by the way, and it's kind of weird. Um, and the X-Men are still around. I kept expecting to see those phased out. This inhuman thing, at least for me, not really taken off from where I'm reading right now in the Marvel Unlimited. I'm, I'm up to date six months ago. And this Inhuman thing just hasn't taken off for me. I've, I've not really enjoyed what they've done with the Inhumans. Um, it, it, I don't like it. Um, so I don't know. It, because it does smack so much of we want to get rid of the mutant focus and, and bring the Inhumans around. Uh, lastly, one thing that's going to upset my 2015 geek out plan, not a complaint, is Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim, which will be my first celebration. Tad, have a blast. Maximize it. Get the schedule ASAP and, you know, kind of figure out exactly what you want to do, when you want to do it. Um, and, uh, and as soon as we know what some of the, uh, the, Tad, I'm just going to tell you, as soon as we know what some of the, uh, exclusives are out there i'll be getting in touch with you 
Uh, <laughs> I'll find out how I can PayPal you some some funds to uh, to jump on some of those Hasbro exclusives. So, um, so thanks for Tad. That's a great plan. I think that's a great way to go to kind of get the focus off of Star Wars for the first half of this year, and then boom, the last half of the year being Star Wars with that little Ant Man hiccup in between. Uh, Ant Man is still. I'm kind of confused about what this film's going to be for Marvel and how good or bad it's going to be. But I do like Paul Rudd. Um, I do like Michael Douglas. Uh, so could be a great thing. I don't know. We'll see. Tim chimes in and says, Hey, Steve, the other day I was browsing through the Tumblr and I came across an interesting GIF set. Well, interesting to me at least. It was captioned, It's easy to give up your freedom when it's never been yours to give. It was a post that said, that Anakin was probably called, Anakin slash Vader probably called Palpatine Master more times in his life than he ever did Watto. I thought about it, and I concur without hesitation. If we're honest, he probably called Obi-Wan Master more often as well. Can you imagine Palpatine's luck? Someone as powerful as Anakin also being perfectly conditioned to obey. This is a man who spent his whole life saying yes, Master, nearly his entire life. A little bit redundant there, Tim, but that's fine and was reprimanded when he ignored his master's command and made his own calls. Even with Palpatine, when he's tried to go around his back, we've seen how that's ended up. I believe the Force Unleashed is still G-level canon and hasn't fallen under the Legends banner. Well, I'm sorry, it's not. It is Legends. He tries to get Luke to join him and overthrow the Emperor at the end of Empire, but when Luke refuses and we get Jedi, this is a man who's resigned to his fate. He's not going to overthrow the Emperor. He is what, when, he, is what he was when we first met him, a slave. So it is when we get to Jedi and Luke tries to get through to him, Vader is all, I must obey my master, until he finally overcomes what basically amounts to his conditioning. That moment is even more powerful when put into perspective. Vader knows he's not going to overthrow Palpatine at that point. Why did he become Palpatine's apprentice in the first place? So he could save Padme and their unborn child. Now, I, now said child, one of them at least, is being killed right before his eyes by the Emperor. What does Vader have to gain by standing by his side? He can't overthrow him. He knows that's... Vader's only motivation, aside from that, was to protect his family. And killing Palpatine, Anakin truly overcomes doing what he initially set out to do when he became the latter's apprentice. It all came full circle. Pretty heavy, don't you think? I do, Tim. Worthy of a Steve's Star Wars corner. Because just this idea of Anakin ended up what he was when we first met him, a slave, really is huge. And it got me thinking. And, yeah... I'm I'm working on some stuff for the next Steve Star Wars corner. Uh, Nick from the Geek Eclectic podcast chimes in. He says, "Steve, how are you? First off, belated happy birthday! Happy birthday to you, sir. Second, I've been listening to episode 120, and the talk about the Emperor killing Padme is swimming through my mind. Now, this might get oddly scientific, but my question for you is: Is in Star Wars, is there anything that could technically link Padme and the Emperor? Something along the lines that since he spent so much time with her, he could have made a connection. Yeah, that's what I was talking about earlier. Something that would allow him to affect her like how Anakin had the visions of his mother and sand people. Obviously, the Emperor would have more exacting power, learned from his master, and twisted from protecting and preventing deaths, turned into snuffing out the life of someone who had a pinpoint sense of, to my knowledge, he's never had as much physical contact with Obi-Wan or Yoda as he did with Padme. So perhaps... He couldn't sense them or Luke or Leia for the same reason or lack of, well, painting the targets. I know my addition has hold, but I was just wondering what you think. I think that your addition to this conversation kind of helps shore it up and, and, and build it up a little bit. Um, I, 
I still go to, I think it's more about her connection with Anakin. The more I'm thinking about this as I'm talking about it now, I think it's more about her connection with Anakin. But you've helped Tavano out with his concepts and his idea. Um, <clears throat> Drew chimes in. He says, I have another Star Wars problem. I know it's not your job to be my Star Wars therapist. But he lies down on the couch and looks up at the ceiling dramatically. This is like Tony Stark and uh, and Bruce Banner here. Okay, so Padme did not die of a broken heart. I know, I know. You're saying, but Drew, you deranged Anakin-hating Canuck. Remember the line where the robot said she lost the will to live? Maybe it's not literal. Because if it's literal, it's stupid. I, I think that's the only way the droid could explain it. So yes, maybe she had just given birth to twins and bad stuff happened. And the droid was simply saying her body was not going to recover in a more elegant way. No, this is a medical droid who's going to have every scan, everything that's going on. He's not, he, if there were something physical wrong, he would know it. Uh, or, you know, Lucas didn't want to put in a bunch of medical mumbo jumbo. No, that's not, that's not how Lucas works. He's not going to be like, oh, I don't really want to talk about uh, uh, medical stuff. So uh, she lost a little lip. That's not how he works. I think he, I think it's a much more spiritual thing than that. Um, Onwards and upwards, he says, he watched Rebels, and let me put it this way, I had more fun watching the pilot than all the prequels combined. Not bashing, just saying. It was ridiculous fun. Fun I didn't think Star Wars was capable of still bringing. Just so much fun. I agree with you. It's been a good time. He says, hold on tight, I'm about to swear. Joss Whedon is the founder of my geekdom. There, I said it. Sorry, but it's just that way. His work is seminal to me. That's fine. That's fine. I thought, listening to the premise of Rebels, that it was a Firefly ripoff and was ready to dismiss it. Well, the, see, the thing about Firefly is it's a Star Wars ripoff. Both Whedon and Star Wars use heavy archetypes in their storytelling, and neither invented a ragtag group of misfits squaring off against the man. Well, who did invent that, then? But you're right. Whedon ripped off Star Wars. You're exactly right. You can see the similarities, no doubt, but I think it's just on the surface level. But none of that matters as it uh, as it's pooping your pants fun and everyone should be watching. I agree. Uh, so to sum up, he says, so Anakin is Hitler, Rebels is crazy fun, and Padme died of the hemorrhage. No, she didn't. I'm going to say this. There's nothing physical that she died of. And I know that that's blowing your mind, Drew, but I really do feel like um, that we can't go to physical reasons because a, a droid, a medical droid would have seen this. The Admiral chimes in says, I floated this idea around the chat, but the details hit me this week, a Goliverse app. Maybe someone in the Goliverse can create it or Patreon money could be used to create an app. And then Patreon members could get the app for free. Though the Goliverse app would have sections for each show and would have sound bites an eight bit game, a special feature for each show. The Goliverse could vote on what sound bites use and game ideas. The role would have links to all the Steve parodies like Choc Chocolate Pie and 8-Bit Game is getting Kristen through a maze to the Springsteen tickets, sound bites, Steve powered 90s voice. Yeah. BHS is linked to the AP so we can get all the crazy Florida stories. The 8-Bit Game could be like Where's Waldo, but it'd be Where's Bigfoot. Soundbite could be Steve's laugh. The goal uh, section would be a calendar, which is just a countdown clock to the next Star Wars movie. 8-Bit Game Match. It could be like a casino-like game that randomly chooses a movie screen and up to three actors, so it's got a bad impression game. Sound bites. I'm a choosy mother. Uh, the Mole, 8-bit game, Stephen Dave Trampoline Wrestler. Sound bit. As God is my witness, he's broken in half. Uh, Disney Vault Talk, linked to Disney trivia games. The 8-bit game could be Whack a Baby Mushroom. Sound bites like Schwinnemer. Uh, slabs, 8-bit game, match the name 
to the episode number. <laughs> Maybe Patreon members will get extra like Steve acts out famous movie screen using Star Wars action figures. That'd be fun. What do you think? I think if I could develop an app, I would. I would. And Daniel trying to be the enabler, showing me the Sand Trooper. Uh, wow, that looks like a variant on that Sand Trooper, the six-inch line. He's being an enabler. He's like, you want this, don't you? In the Emperor's voice. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for thanks for bringing my addiction back up. Thank you for, for helping me to overcome rather... No, wait, that's not true. That's not... That's no help. It's no help. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, those of you in the chat will get right into what we came here to talk about. Uh, those of you who aren't in the chat... Uh, are going to hear from Dave Jones from the Charity Marathon. Uh, so stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Bo. And I'm Bell. And we want you to check out Flash TV Talk. Flash TV Talk is your source for news, reviews, and spoilers for the upcoming CW show, The Flash. But wait, there's more. Every week we get hyped with discussion and commentary on The Flash and his previous TV incarnations, including... Smallville, Justice, Justice League Unlimited, Flashpoint Paradox, Young, Young Justice, Justice, and more. Accelerate your fandom with us on Flash TV Talk. Search for us on iTunes or find us online at flashtvtalk.podestery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y.com. Hi, my name is Teresa. And my name is Rebecca. Do you like Supergirl? We do, too. And we're super excited to bring you a fan podcast devoted to the upcoming Supergirl TV series on CBS from Greg Berlanti and Ali Adler, starring Melissa Benoist as the Girl of Steel. Check in with us every week for news and discussion about the last daughter of Krypton. Supergirl Radio. Your source for all things Supergirl. Hey folks, I'm Jason. And I'm Dan. And we're here to tell you about our podcast, Flix. Flix is a podcast that reviews the biggest movies hitting the theaters, such as Captain America, Winter Soldier, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Amazing Spider-Man, Godzilla, Dolphin Tale 2. What? No, why would we review Dolphin Tale 2? The first one had Morgan Freeman in it. Morgan Freeman works with Batman. Anyway... We don't only cover the latest, we also cover the greatest. When there isn't a blockbuster hitting the local theater, we're talking about some of our favorites from the past. Movies like The Goonies. Star Wars, featuring Steve Lawson. Gremlins. Terminator. National Lampoon's Vacation. The Last Airbender. Dude, no one liked The Last Airbender. You did. Stop derailing the promo. <sighs> now, why should you listen to our show... Out of all the other movie review podcasts out there, because we really do love the movies we talk about. And because every couple of years, Steve Glosson comes on and talks Star Wars. Seriously, dude. Hey, know your audience. Fair enough. Listen to Flick's podcast, because we know Steve. What's happening, man? going on dude dave jones calling in what's what what's ha what's up you were all about getting in yeah that was like three hours ago no I, i'm just kidding listen blame oh. jimmy mac i had no <laughs> idea i thought I, I thought jimmy mac would be like 20 minutes and out 
Right. And and man, he gave us a lot of time. I yeah, really appreciate it. Yeah. Very entertaining. He's, yeah. Very it's like having a celebrity on. It is. It really is. He's he's certainly one of those guys that was, um, you know, one of the staples of my iPod all those years. Yes. To, yeah. Uh, Forcecast and then now Rebel Force Radio. So definitely, definitely. Um, I will say, Steve. Now, first off, I want to say, if you look at Stephen Amell, who plays the Arrow, mm-hmm. if you look at his Facebook page, there's a picture of him with Daniel Bryan and the Bella Twins. And this is just awesome to me. You got to be kidding me. Swear. Swear. It's on his Facebook page. This is awesome. Uh, Andy, uh, good old Andy, uh, looked at, I talked with him in the chat earlier about it, and it is just incredible to me. So, um, <clears throat> Who am I looking at? Stephen Amell. How do you spell that? There it is right there. Yep. Stephen Amell. And there was a, look there was at a there. Picture. Sure enough. Yeah, man. There was a there was a picture of him with uh, Grant Ward too, um, from from Agents of Shield. So. Wow. Well, I guess that's not his real name, but. <laughs> so yeah, dude, can you believe that WWE getting our you know Stephen Amell must be a big wrestling fan. I think I've heard that before. I that hope he enjo- so. That he enjoys WWE. And yeah, stuff, man. So. I hope so. I yeah. think that'd be really cool. It'd see him come. I'd like to see him show. Of course, they're not on CW anymore, are they? No, unfortunately yeah. not. Mm. So. Unfortunately not. Now, uh, Steve, we've we've heard a lot of talk today. Yes. I don't know that I've heard these two words. Okay. Uh, now, wait a minute. I've heard one of the words. All right. But I don't think I've heard the word track today. Mm-mm, not at all. So, naturally, nope. I, feel the, I feel the need to rectify this. All right, let me hang up. Come on. You're going to end the show. Uh, it's only it's, hey, it has to happen, dude. With Simon Pegg writing Star Trek three. Well, this is this is part of what I was calling about. I want I <clears> wanna <throat> know what's happened to this. We had Robert Orsi gonna be writing this thing. And I'm all excited because, you know, he worked with JJ on the first two. And uh, you know, this guy is was was set to direct and write this thing. And now we're getting uh, Doug Young and mm-hmm. uh, Simon Simon Pegg going to co-write. Simon freaking Pegg. Simon, uh, I like to criticize people to fix their, you know. Right. I like to criticize George Lucas any chance I get Pegg and then get a job on Clone Wars. Pegg. Right, right. I I uh, I don't care. You know, I'm, don't I'm, be like that. Look, I, I no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not saying that like negatively. And I'm not saying it because it's Star Trek. To me, it's like obviously something's wrong with the production situation where they've had to bounce around this way. Mm-hmm. You know, because it was you had you had Robert Orchie not going to write but going to direct. Right. You know, and 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 I thought that was a great choice. Uh, but for him. I don't know why he stepped away or what happened if he got fired. I'm I'm just confused about the whole situation, and I feel like that that this there's more to this than just typical you know movie stuff that happens where someone steps away and then I'll bring the next person in. I feel like there's there's a little bit more confusion over this property than what there should be, and and there may be a fight to try to write some things or change some things or do some things differently than what even Abrams had or I don't know and. <clears throat> you know and, and 
and so I, but because it's Trek and I'm not anti Trek, I was just underwhelmed by Into Darkness. You know. Now, now let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. All right. So tell me, other than the now you've talked about you didn't like the secrecy or the so-called secrecy um, where Abrams and uh, Lindelof or not Lindelof, Abrams and was it Lindelof? I guess it was. Were uh, denying that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was playing Khan, mm-hmm. and that's that is completely valid. I I believe that is garbage too. Um, that said, this was a really they weren't kidding when they said Into Darkness. Um, right. This was a really dark film. Um, but at the same time, and 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 you know, I, I feel like it had some great spots in it too. It had uh, some great acting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, the visual effects are there, man. I mean, like, they're just spot on, I think. But uh, now you had a problem. I think you had a problem with the end. Is that correct? Like the ending sequence? Like the last 30 minutes of the movie? Thereabouts? Yeah, I don't... I don't like the flip around with Kirk dying unless he was going to stay dead. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that would be something new. And I know that everyone would get upset. I know that fans would just hate it, hate it, hate it. I I feel like this whole, the whole first two movies, even though I enjoyed the first Star Trek, this and this is the overall problem with it. I thought that the whole first two movies were an exercise in 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 scaredy catness. Right, because you wanted like the clean reboot. Right? I, yes, they. I feel like they should have done a clean reboot. To free themselves up from anything that had come before, and and then when you turn around and do Into Darkness, which was not really—I'm not going to say it was a Wrath of Khan remake—had a lot of space seed in there from season one of the original. Yes, shows. yes, it did. You're right. Um, that that whole flip around reversal with Kirk dying instead of Spock dying, and Spock yelling Khan—I did not. The thing we did not get to see in Star Trek Into Darkness, even though it's established that it's the case, we didn't get to see their friendship that well. Right. You know? And so I just feel like, yeah, spoiler alert, I, I feel like that it was just, it was pandering to fans who wanted, who, who think Wrath of the Khan is the greatest movie ever. And, and, and trying to get that wedged in there. Not to mention, you had Spock calling Spock to find out, well, how'd you do with him last time? You know, and it's just like, if you've got that as a plot device, mm-hmm. then, you know, well, then Spock, then future Spock needs to call them and say, we got to go back and save some whales or we're all screwed. <laughs> now, um, I will say that I think the first time you and I talked about this, you said uh, future Spock Skyping with yes. <laughs> alternate <laughs> Spock. Right. Which I loved, by the way. But so, but, so what I'm saying is, you know, I didn't mind the bringing Kirk back. I don't think that was a bad thing. I mean, it was set up that you know this would do that for him, this blood would do that for him, anything. But it was an easy out, you know. Whereas, honestly, with with Star Trek, the Wrath of Khan into Search for Spock, it wasn't an easy out to figure out how you know even with the Genesis wave and everything. You know, how right. do we round out this trilogy? And they did a good job, I think, in Search for Spock to make a, a coherent argument for there to be Spock resurrected. 
You know, yeah, man, that is a highly underrated film. I agree. This, this I Star agree. Trek Three. I mean, yeah. Doctor Doc Doc Emmett Brown as a Klingon. Oh yeah, dude, yeah. he's awesome. In that Get movie. out of there! Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but I, dude, I'm telling you straight up for real. Look at all that happened in. See the. Mm, the problem with not doing a clean reboot is everything that happened before has to, in some form or another, happen now. You see what oh, I'm saying? Oh, wow, yeah. You know, yeah. because... All this has happened before and it'll happen again? Yeah, but because because all that changed was Kirk's upbringing. No, well, and then, you know, Vulcan gets destroyed. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm sorry. That's a, You're right. That's a big deal. Vulcan gets destroyed. But what I mean is, are these events that happened to the Enterprise and the stuff they discovered and the stuff they found out and the things they learned, it's still going to have to be. Whales are still extinct. The humpback whales are still extinct. There's still going to be a big probe show up. Why isn't Spock saying someone needs to go back in time, bring us back some whales? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, because he knows it's coming. And and but we'll never see the remake of Star Trek Four, The Voyage Home. You know, no, it, and you know what, Steve, and this is this is me being a Star Trek fan. I'm not a Trekkie by any means, but this is me saying I think the property works better on television. Do you? Because yeah, because now I enjoy the films, mm -hmm. but you know, you're talking the friendship, you're talking all that stuff. From, that we had in Wrath of Khan that we don't have in these. Right. And that's because we had years of these people, you know, or we had at least three seasons. Yeah. And a couple of movies of this friendship being this legendary thing. And, uh, you know, the chemistry between, uh, you know, Spock and, and Kirk in the new movies, it's there. But you also had the first movie, you know, Spock pretty much hating his guts. That's okay, but see, of the movie. that's the problem. Here's the thing that's the problem. In that first movie, Kirk and Spock did not make friends until the very end. Right. What should have happened was, is they should have written it, because you had, they did a great job of paralleling their lives early on, mm -hmm. where you see, you know, you see Kirk as kind of that rebellious kid, you see Spock really kind of as the rebellious kid, you know, where he chooses not to go to the Science Society or whatever it is they have on Vulcan, and instead, instead go to Starfleet, and that just ra that causes all these stoic Vulcans to raise their little eyebrows, mm -hmm. you know. And he's like, because I don't have a disability, you know. Basically, and they they you think my humanity is is a disability, but it's not. And so he chooses to kind of go the rebellious route. So what you you have as close to a free spirit as you can get on Vulcan in right. Spock, and you have the free spirit of Jim Kirk who, when these two forces come together, should complement each other rather than clash for so long. I understand clashing at first, mm -hmm. but for but to clash for so long so that by the end of the movie, you buy that these guys like each other, not just respect each other, but they like each other, and that Spock has something to learn from Kirk. Kirk has something to learn from Spock. You shouldn't have done Wrath of Khan in the second movie. You should have gone with some other adventure, so, not necessarily even Klingons, but just something new, something different, something we've not seen before, so that you can build this relationship between these two. And then when you hit three, boom, you can do your remake of Wrath of Khan. Well, and, you know, you got, but you, you know what I will say about End of Darkness is you had that whole subplot, you know, with Admiral Marcus mm -hmm. that, uh, to me, I didn't see that coming. 
you know, the way no, it played out. You're right. You're right. But and that's what I'm saying. There were some differences there. And Peter Weller, you know, another actor who was just stellar. Yeah, I thought in that in that role. But but, um, but my point is, Dave, it's like when when they don't have when you don't get to see those two build the relationship that we all know they have, and it wouldn't take three years of a TV show. I think it would only take one movie where they're working together in concert so that by the time you get to a third one where they're working together in concert and Kirk dies, spoiler alert, that that, that Spock would do con. But I don't know that Spock... See, they really focus more on his humanity in these movies too, and I'm okay with that, you know? Um, he is a little bit more of a, a passionate Vulcan than what we see ever with Leonard yeah. Nimoy. And that's, is, yeah. that's fine. You know, that's okay. I'm not opposed to that. There, it's fine to have tweaks of the characters. I go back to why not in that first movie just do a hard reboot of the series? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to do the time travel thing because in doing that, you're trying to appease fans and you're trying to make things like... And so I wonder if the problem is... You, you've had resistance to continuing down that path for a third Star Trek or what? You've got a great cast. You've fantastic got a great cast, yeah. cast, man. Every single one of those people is fantastic in their roles on that ship. So instead of splitting them up like they did in the... Se- why would you put them together in the first movie just to split them up again in the second? It makes no sense. It just that- wasn't... It, there, there was so much they could have done differently, and I just don't think that that they maximized the potential of the Star Trek property on screen. Because Dave Truth never watched much of the original Trek series, right. te- television series. Most of my Trek knowledge comes from the Trek movies, mm-hmm. and so I. But I totally buy the relationship between Kirk and Spock. Yeah, you know, as someone who was only introduced to it through the movies. I, I, I buy the relationship between them and Bones and and everyone else on that ship. I get where their their point is. And so I don't think you have to do a TV show. I, I think that nowadays, I do think nowadays that TV is the medium to go work in because every, every station is realizing that <clears throat> um, every network is realizing that people are flooding to quality television whether it's on cable or on these pay channels or what. And so what they're trying to do is get the best writers, the best creators involved doing the best stuff rather than just put out formulaically what works unless it's a sitcom. Yeah. And and so so actors are a lot more prone now to say, oh, TV's where it's at. Right. So what needs to happen in, in, in cinema, this is getting, I'm sorry, I'm going real macro on you here. I don't know how okay. you unleash this beast. Uh, what I feel like needs to happen in cinema is, is, is that studios need to get their heads out of their butts and quit trying to remake what's been successful and, and start to give a little bit of a shot to people with some creative original ideas. Well, and then they'll do something like that, like with this, uh, Jupiter, what is it? Jupiter ascending and people are already crapping on it and you know, nobody's seen it. I don't know what that is. It's the Channing Tatum, uh, Myla Kunis science fiction movie coming out by the Wachowskis. Mm. And, yeah, but is uh, that is that the Wachowskis' fault or is that? I don't know. I don't know. In the in the age of these properties, you know, is anybody going to give 
um, you know, science fiction, you know, this uh, true chance, you know, something that hasn't been tested. Well, do you mind if I take a look at this Jupiter Ascending trailer that I've not seen? Go ahead. Okay. You've been taught that the birthplace of the human race is Earth, but it's not. Do you know what this will do to people when they find out the truth? I don't think that most people would want to know the truth. I do. Your planet was seeded by a brass axe industries roughly 100,000 years ago. It's one of the most powerful dynasties in the universe. There are three primary heirs. The oldest is Belem. He's the one that controls this planet and wants you dead. I'm telling you, I'm nobody. You are royalty. What about the girl? Still alive. Bring her to me. When the exact same genes reappear in the exact same order, it is what you call reincarnation. Majesty's life is going to change if she wants it to. I'm still the same me. Right now, Balen owns the title to Earth. Once you claim it, the Earth will belong to you. I will harvest that planet tomorrow before I let her take it from me. Have you ever seen a harvest? Never. But I've heard they feel no pain. You should have told me the truth about why you wanted her. What are people upset about with that trailer? No, I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, it's, I, I don't know if they don't dig Channing Tatum with the, with the makeup. I don't know if it's, uh, Myla Kunis being in a different type of movie role for her. I don't know if it's, you know, it's quote unquote cheesy. I don't know what it is. I honestly. mean, honestly, Dave, as I'm watching it, all I'm thinking is, okay, I know where this is going. Mm -hmm. You know, well, I mean, yeah. And and I think that may be, but see, that's the thing. We live in an age where we know where everything's going. But sometimes that's okay. It sometimes, right? sometimes we don't. But, we don't have to have a swerve pulled on us every time we go to the theater. Uh, right? Not every time, but if it's going to be something new and fresh, I'd like for there to be a swerve. It's like what I was talking about with Jimmy Mac earlier with with the Lucas stuff. You know, Lucas turned storytelling kind of on its head in some ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and I think that that that's kind of what a lot of people want. And, and and you're talking to someone who wants to see more comic book movies made, you know, who wants to see more things based on something that already exists. Right. But, but I'm also a big fan of original ideas and, and, and what's happened in the past decade or so, a decade or so is that original ideas have gotten pushed aside for what Hollywood thinks is a sure bet. 
And I can't speak to what this movie does, but this movie just seems like almost uh, maybe like a Hunger Games almost in space, mm-hmm. you know, or uh, some weird hero's journey, you know, that it, it's just that it's that same thing. And, and, and so rather than, you know, and I don't want to dog the Wachowskis at all because, mm-hmm. I mean, The Matrix is revolutionary. Yeah, you know, certainly. if that's if that's all they ever do well, that's enough, right? You know, and they can make all the bad movies they want to. It's not like, um, it's not like they pulled a swerve on everybody at the end of a movie where someone was dead and you didn't realize it, and then they think they can just put out whatever crap they want to. They made the Matrix. Yeah, so, and, and I mean, here's my thing, and I just used Jupiter Ascending as a, or Jupiter Descending, whatever it is, is a an example. You know, of of these science fiction movies that, you know, this could just be a just this could just be a one off. Like it doesn't have to be a franchise per se, you know. And I think it's okay to go into something knowing, you know, knowing what's going to happen or knowing that Benedict Cumberbatch is playing Khan. I think that would have been just fine. Oh yeah, um, now, I mean, but see, I think you're talking about two different things now. What I'm saying is, I don't want to know. I don't want to be able to plot out the whole movie. By seeing a trailer. And this, I feel like I can. You know? She she doesn't know who she is. They come and tell her who she is. Or they tell her a little bit about what the truth is. Then then she begins to discover who she is. Then she embraces who she is. And then she has to fight to to ascend to her rightful place against the person who's her big rival. And all the meanwhile, she loves someone who's not up to her status. But she brings him up to her status because she loves him and he loves her. and, And they have a battle where everything almost destroy it gets destroyed but then they stop it in the very end. Yeah, but sometimes the journey is the is the entertainment. Yeah, but don't show me all that in the trailer. Well, I mean the movie this movie And I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this, in that particular trailer, the acting even from the great Sean Bean looked a little bit cardboard from everybody. Yeah. Well. You know, and that and I think that may be what's happening because in the trailer I'm not seeing a lot of acting that's really jumping off the screen at me. I'm seeing some beautiful visuals, though. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, but but when it comes to the when it comes to the con thing, back to that point, I don't mm-hmm. think it mattered, Dave, to tell us. Yeah, this is con. I think what J.J. Abrams wanted was this was a huge shock to everyone's system, you know, so that they would go out and, and the buzz would be, oh my gosh, he's con. Yeah, you know, but that didn't happen because. Because people don't like being lied to, blatantly lied to either, you know. And and so, it's a dang if you do, dang if you don't situation. But I don't think that was the problem with the movie. I think the problem with Into Darkness starts with the premise of Star Trek, the the first mm. movie, not the whole ser- not the whole franchise, but that first movie. I think the I think the big problems with Into Darkness start with the unwillingness to do a clean reboot. Well, do you think that this franchise in its current state with these two reboot films or or soft reboots or whatever you want to call them, do you feel like they can rebound with this third film? Only if they're going back in time to save whales. So there's not like what like in in serious business Mm -hmm. and uh, (laughs) I know you love Star Trek Mm four, but like serious business, like can what is it you want to see out of this third film? Just as a, you know, kind of a ship passing in the night Star Trek fan, or however you would describe it. 
Um, I know you're not. You I want to. I want to see the crew of the Starship Enterprise go on an adventure together, whatever that looks like. I mm-hmm. want it to be together. I don't want some conversation about weapons that causes Scotty to say, "I'm not going to be on your ship anymore." I don't want to fight between Kirk and Spock. I want to. I want a conversation where they disagree. You know. And, and this is highly illogical, Captain, but Spock falls in the line because he recognizes the captain's authority. I don't want Uhura being super sassy Uhura, you know, who's kind of, I'm the mother holding everybody together. Well, you know? now, Steve, I mean, in all seriousness, the Uhura character was not um, that fleshed out in the old... I don't know that you could do the same type of character but this Dave, day and age but Dave, that character. You could have... You could have an intelligent, strong female. I think she is. I do. Let me finish. All right. You can have an intelligent, strong female character without coming across as this mother who's always grabbing her boyfriend by his pointier ear and dragging him where she wants him to go. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing. She does. She kind of does the same thing with Kirk. I. They don't need a mother. She is an officer on that bridge. You know, and 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 so act like it. Shut up, Wesley. Shut up, Wesley. Um, <laughs> but I want you know, and bring right. in you know the other thing we hadn't got to see. We hadn't got to see um, uh, nuclear vessels. That guy, what's his name, Chekhov. We don't really get to see him do too much. We hadn't got to see. You know, we saw Sulu. We saw Sulu go and, and fence in the first movie, but we didn't see him do too much in Into Darkness. They worked together as a crew. Now he was he was actually captain of the ship. That's right. Kirk and then we're not on there. Yeah. When again, when they were not on there, split Steve, up. Steve, you listen. They just established that cat that Kirk was the captain in the end of the first film. They're not going to change it out with Sulu. In I'm the not wanting film. Sulu to be the captain, Dave. What are you saying? I'm saying I want him to have a role in what's going on. This crew, the thing about this crew in the older movies is they all had a role and a specific role and a reason for being there other than, oh, they were in the original series, so we got to plug them in here. Or, right. you know, and, 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 and I'm, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm not trying to crap all over your precious Star Trek into darkness, Dave. I'm telling you, <laughs> it was an okay movie. Its weaknesses right. spring from the lack of a hard reboot, but I'm also saying is, is that is that what I want from a Star You ask me what I want from a Star Trek movie, I'm just being honest, is I want to see an adventure where they're all together and they're all on the same page and it's not some fighting amongst ourselves that there's a bigger threat out there we're going to fight and we're going to work together. I want to see Captain Kirk tell Scotty I need a little bit more power and Scotty figure out a way to get that. I want to see Spock figure out some scientific thing that no one else could get their mind around because he looked at it the right way. I want to see Bones debate the philosophical nature of what they're doing and i can't believe the fact that i had to say someone debate the philosophical nature is one of the reasons i don't like trek because it's boring all right well that aside we're raising money today that's right (laughs) (laughs) i pulled that joke earlier no so i guess what i'm saying you know i heard um oh my gosh who was it that was just hilarious about star wars talking about how the thing about Star Wars and Star Trek is, is Star Wars is not boring. 
is <laughs> basically what they were saying. I loved it. I just I laughed my tail off. I thought it was hilarious. It's, it is certainly cerebral, but I will say these these newer movies have not been that much. Oh, they haven't. They've been a lot more a lot more action and, and a lot more Star Trek for this but generation. But Dave, don't you think there would have been more freedom for them to tell different and dare I say better stories if they would have done just a a, a solid full on reboot? Well, yeah, and I would, but I would have been okay with a con story and a rebooted Star Trek. I would have, too. And that's essentially what we got, but we also had the Skyping with Olsen. But, yeah, but Dave, isn't isn't having Khan in the second movie, isn't that a bit of a cop-out, though, to say, well, we know everyone wants this, so we're just going to put it in there. And it's an easy story to write, because all we got to do is take the old story and rework it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, look, I was as soon as they announced or that I found out somehow that it was Khan... Um, which I did before I went to the theater because, you know, it hits you like a bus um, <laughs> and yeah. all the promos they put out. But, um, you know, as soon as I found that out, I was slightly disappointed. Or better that yet, said, better yet, refresh my memory, was Khan killed in the end? He was not. He was not. He was frozen and put back into the, to the, uh, like, frozen like his people right. and put See, back in the pods. Okay, here's what should have happened then. They should have they should have done this without Kirk dying. Mm-hmm. You know, without all that stuff that looks like Rathacon. They should have basically done the seed. Is that the name of the the A space seed, yeah. Space okay, seed. The state the whatever. Well, they give him the ship, the botany bay. Yeah. Well I'm not even saying they should I'm saying do it the way you did it with him being a terrorist trying to and then put him back in carbon freezing when it's all said and done. Yeah, and that's what they did. Right. But without all the nods to Wrath of Khan. Right. Then, then, you go on an adventure together in the third one. You think everything's hunky-dory until you come back in the fourth one when you think you're going to go save Wells, and boom, Wrath of Khan. Interesting. Only, this is a Khan who, quite frankly, is more menacing than what Ricardo Montalban's Khan was. Yeah, he's he's a lot yeah. less uh, mustache twirly. Right, right, and so it gets it gets pure pure out deadly, and then you do the da- the dying stuff. You know, then you do the thing where maybe Kirk dies, and then maybe you you have the guts to leave him dead, and really explore new Star Trek from there. And I'm not saying I don't like. I understand. I think the cast is wonderful. Mm-hmm. You you discount all the positive stuff I say. Sometimes, Dave, when because because I because you don't like the fact that I hate Star Trek, um, but you don't hate it. <laughs> I can't stand it. I don't know what you're talking about. All right. <laughs> Here's my, my my overall point is this, Dave: is there is a huge black probe somewhere out in space <laughs> headed to Earth to communicate with whales, and Spock's not telling them. Spock Prime's not like you need to save some whales. And the Borg is on the way. The Borg is out. Yeah, Spock knows all this. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Well, uh, you know they they left uh, they left it open. We had the threat of the Klingons possibly going to war with Earth. I got some Klingons. Um, you know that was the one thing Colonel Marcus was it Colonel Marcus or Admiral Marcus? Admiral Marcus. That was the thing he was worried about. Is while he. Uh, retrofitted the uh is it retrofit yeah 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 i remember yeah so he was worried about the the uh war- now the scene 
Dave. On Kronos with the Klingons, <laughs> I thought was tremendous. Yeah. Let me like I, when th- when when they finally like when mm-hmm. when Khan helped them. Yeah. Defeat the Klingons, and then Kirk just goes up because Pike is dead at this point. Right. And and Pike was the father figure. Pike was right. kind of the Obi Wan in a in a lesser way. But don't I mean, you dare! Don't you dare invoke Star Wars names for Star Trek characters. All right, he was the Gandalf. Um, um, <laughs> I will accept. I will accept. He was the Uncle Phil. He was the Uncle. It's the Uncle Phil. <laughs> and Khan uh, was Carlton. No. Uh, <laughs> Not unusual to be loved. Yeah. Look, let me, Dave, I've got to, I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, wait. So let me no, just get no, this bro, out. No, bro, 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 look, I'm sorry to interrupt you, bro, but I got to say this, bro. All right, bro, 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 bro. Bro, 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 listen, I got I to gotta tell you this, bro, because, look, I respect you, bro, and no one respects Dave Jones more than Steve Glosson, all right? <laughs> Bro, and and so, bro, I just got to get this out there, bro. I'll let you finish your point, uh, but I won't. Uh, (laughs) I just have a question. Yes. Why are you calling me up at nearly 2 o'clock in the morning Eastern time to talk Star Trek? (laughs) And then you're expecting me to remember all these points from a movie I saw once because I've not had the desire to go back and watch it again. Well, I mean, that just tells me what I need to bring when I come on my voyage. I have it, Dave. I have access to Into Darkness, yeah. Well, I would say watch it again, see what you think. You tell me that about Days of Future Past, too. Well, did you? No, not yet. Uh, Well, But hey, look. Hey. (laughs) The scene where they finally, you know, Khan helps them defeat the Klingons down there. Mm -hmm. And Kirk runs up to him and just starts wailing on him. Is a powerful moment mm. because Kirk just like just keeps punching him and keeps punching. Him. It's not doing anything to Khan, and all it's doing is just wearing down Kirk. And I just thought that was just really powerful to me because this man who lost his father, whose yeah. father, who who's, who Thor was his father. Yeah, yeah. And Thor died saving mm-hmm. his life. Yeah. And um, you know. Mm-hmm. Had Pike as yeah. his father figure, yeah, yeah, and and Pike was killed by this man. Yeah, you know what's powerful to me? What's that? Is when Luke lights up his lightsaber and starts beating down his actual father, who has caused the galaxy all kinds of problems, and he gets his father back against his heels and knocks him down, cuts off his hand, and then stops just before he makes the killing blow because he's not going to become what his father was. Mm-hmm. He is a Jedi. Well, I mean, if you're comparing them, then I'm with you. There's 100%. no comparison. My point is this, Dave. There's no comparison. All right. Well, let, let me just remember. Let's just all remember when George Lucas received an award that one of the first people he thanked was Star Trek in general. Star Trek's not a people, Dave. I, I reject that statement. All right, well, it happened, no, brother. He did not say, I'd like to thank Star he Trek. He said, I, he absolutely said, I want. To, I would like to thank Star Trek. I'd like to thank. Yeah. They paved the way for science fiction to come. Well, That's what he said. Look, look, here's the thing. I don't know and why. I'm not, look, I'm not even. No, 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 no. I don't know why you're coming on Geek Out Loud hating on Star Wars, number one. I never. I bro, bro, never. bro, let me finish, bro. bro. Let me finish, bro. Number two, I don't deny that the Star Trek series had an impact on the science fiction community and the acceptance of science fiction. 
Um, it, it inspired all kinds of people to grow and learn science. But I'm not going to say I like something and that something's good if I don't like it and it's not good. Right, but I, like <clears throat> I feel like you're taking this hard line approach about Star Trek and, and like because I know you like it to some degree. No, I don't. I like it's it. True. Let me tell you what I like about Star Trek. When they save whales. <laughs> that Star Trek 4 is the best Star Trek movie ever made. Now, did you ever see First Contact? Oh yeah, I really like First Contact. That's yeah, a good that, one. That one's really good. That's a good one. But it's got the But you know what? I uh, That Next Generation series and almost the the characters are almost so pretentious to me they get on my <laughs> nerves are. oh it gets on my you, nerves you know what even in that movie you number know you one. had picard and Worf arguing number one i'm going to go play my flute now get off my bridge mm. you know you are i mean it wasn't like picard was some sweet guy look i'm not i'm not saying that but they were i'm sorry i i like first contact that's fine. Mm-hmm. I like first contact, um, but I don't. I don't understand. You did this on purpose. You knew. You knew. I'm gonna call Steve and get him started on how much Star Trek sucks, and I'm gonna get him riled up, and he's just gonna go to 3 a.m. now because he's so ticked <laughs> no, off. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I honestly was excited. Like I'm reading all this stuff about Simon Pegg. And I'm wondering what happened to my third Star Trek movie, where J.J. was going to be a producer. We were going to get Robert Orsi, or Orky, to write this thing, who worked on the first couple. It was going to have this continuity feel to it. And now we're going to get Simon Pegg and um, Doug Young going to write this thing. And Doug Young, the only thing that I know that he's directed is this Fast and the Furious movie that I haven't seen. Oh, well now listen, Fast and the Furious is getting rave reviews from people. It is, yeah. I've not seen it either. I've not seen any Fast and Furious movie since Fast and the Furious. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's uh, Yeah, I mean, the one with The Rock, I guess, is the one they're talking about. Yeah. Uh, also, Dave, you call me on my birthday to talk Star Trek. Well, now, I wanted to... I, I did. I was going to call and, and say happy birthday and then go into Star Trek. That does, but no, I thought it doesn't... If it gets, if it gets ugly... We're gonna say happy birthday at the end and and, and do the mega powers handshake. <laughs> the mega powers handshake. Oh man, nice, nice. So well played. That's that. Well played. Uh, so hey, speaking then, of all of this being said, yeah, and this this will be this will be in closing. Yeah, I want this movie to succeed because it's coming out in July. Was it July? Let's see. Yeah, July the eighth, mm-hmm. twenty sixteen. Yeah. And 2016 will be the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. So I really want this film to fire on all cylinders. I don't think it will. And I'm I'm worried, yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm worried about well, it. Well, here's the thing is I wouldn't worry about it. I would just enjoy what you've got and understand it's going to be a few more years before someone else comes along to try to get it right. Yeah. You know, and I think that they've been backed into a corner where they have to do a hard reboot now. If this third movie doesn't turn out very well, they've right. been back. To, they've been back in the corner where they have to do a hard reboot. And it may be a while before we see any Star Trek. Yep. 
Yeah. And that's that to me is just very unfortunate. It's so. unfortunate, you know, for Paramount. It's unfortunate for Star Trek fans. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'd prefer never to have to hear about Star Trek again. <laughs> so, uh, well, hey, I did finally pick up that Macho Man DVD. Fantastic! Have I got, you watched it? No, I, I ordered it from Amazon. Um, after listening to Lanny Poffle on Jericho, Chris Jericho's podcast. Was he on there Friday? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I gotta get really that. good storyteller, man. And he talks about the decision to let Macho go in. Mm-hmm. And why he made it, and it's it's really compelling. Um, You're you still calling him for the rumble tomorrow? Yeah, man, the genius. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That'll be interesting. You, it's going to be interesting when he comes out, and you have to say, I, "Steve was right." That's true. Yeah, that's true. Because my because my surprise pick was Christian. I think right, right. So we'll see. And, if, that he, and if he comes out, I'm like, "Oh, big stretch, Dave." Big <laughs> stretch. Anything to undersell anything that's I right. say. <laughs> <laughs> oh whatever dave well, look, you man listen, i know you want to wrap this thing up you're a more successful better man than i am sir oh that's not true that's mm. not true man without you i don't know what i'd be doing i'd probably be you know rocking back and forth in my room you know quoting yeah. hulk hogan promos or something nice. i mean who knows what would be happening? But you, man, this whole this whole thing's exciting. You've given me an outlet to talk wrestling. I mean, we did. What a lot of people don't understand is you and I would do this on the phone anyway. Right. So it's great that we uh, we got the podcast mark out loud to do it with. Yeah, and, man, it's a good um, time. It's a good time. Um, let's see. Jimmy Mack just sent this to me. I don't know how. It's 45 seconds long. Let's see if we can. So come check us out. We're going to celebrate all of the current Star Wars fashions. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Jimmy Mack, I think you're out there. You promised me a really fun dance in the middle of the stage. So come check out his dance. See if it's two thumbs up. All right. See you guys later. May the force be with you. I knew the program would go downhill, but I didn't realize it would go downhill with the mention of Jimmy Mack's name. Jimmy, did you hear that in the background? We I love did, Jimmy Mack. Yeah, that was me, because I know to wait till the till the noise dies down to get the uh, to get the attention. I hear you now. Steve yeah. is. I've been to a couple wrestling events with Steve, several now, and and Steve is very much one of these guys that wants to chant. So I, I like I, I like a good that. chant. I like a good chant, and um, I have to, I don't know though. After watching, uh, after watching. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. I you kind want to be quiet and clap. I, I do. I want to be quiet and just wait till the right moments to clap because I felt like their fans were so much more respectful than a bunch of chanting idiot Americans. Yeah, just so, do the little golf clap whenever I can't, somebody does. I can't believe Japanese wrestling turned me against America. <laughs> America, America. Does Steve boo wrestlers? Yes. Oh, big time. Oh, man. and if they get out of the ring, it's this. Get in the ring. Get in the ring. Get in the ring. Get back out of the ring. Get out of the ring. <laughs> yeah. And then if Doc Gallows throws somebody in the front row, Dave is running. Oh, my gosh. That was amazing. I think I was faster than anybody getting out of there. You know what I can't get over? I still, day to day, I just cannot get ready. I cannot get over the fact of just how nice Jim Cornette was. Me either. Yeah. If you listen to this podcast, dude, it is 
It he, is wide open. Yes, and he doesn't. He has no filter and doesn't mind what he says. But he was super nice to us. So he really was. Yeah. But anyhow. Well, thanks for letting me come on and talk Star Trek. I know it's not your favorite topic. I, I know. I don't know what I've got to do. Had, look, man, it had to be covered. I know there's some Star Trek fans out there in the Goliverse, and I just felt like today nobody talked about it. So of it had course to be not. Well, I'm going to cut this out of the edited version. Well, I figured. You know, censorship and all. Um, my show. Just, just bury us, Steve. You know. I'm not going to bury us. I'm going to bury Star Trek. You know what you're doing, Dave. <laughs> and it kind of hurts my feelings that you would do now, this. Now, wait a minute. This is no worse. No, I, my feelings are now hurt. <laughs> You'd gotten the Rocky out of the way. Star Star Wars had been the topic don't, of conversation listen, all don't, day. Don't say got the Rocky out of the way, because Rocky is not out of the way. Well, I just meant you, Rocky, know, you had covered Rocky really well with R Jimmy Mack. Rocky's still on the table, sir. Right. I can still now, go all night on Rocky. And I'm just I'm just waiting on the... the uh, GoBots uh, history coming up here with someone. Oh, GoBots. <laughs> the poor man, in, a.k.a. me, uh, Transformers. I got it. You know what? A lot of people say that. But the truth be told, Dave. They were cheaper. They were also around a little bit before the Transformers, I think. Now, Peter Peter Weller, right? Not Peter Weller. Peter uh well, Culling, wasn't he in the GoBots too? He did a voice for them. Mm, I'm sure he did. I mean, these voice actors, you know how they work. So, yeah. Um, let me uh, let me check this out here, Dave, because I want to make sure that I'm not wrong here. But a few years ago, it dawned on me. Yeah, the first generation Transformers, 1984. GoBots, 1983. Oh, very good, man. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Um, I, I guess Transformers just a little more mainstream, right? Yeah, Transformers made it mainstream. I mean, they had Hasbro back them. GoBots were a Tonka property, mm -hmm. you know, and Tonka was known mainly for like the big Tonka trucks, right? You know, um, also the. I mean, truth be told, the GoBots were mostly all, for the most part, like Matchbox Hot Wheels sized. And so, you know, when you can either get like this little matchbox looking, Hot Wheels looking, you know, motorcycle that doesn't really have much articulation in terms, or you can get Optimus Prime, you know, you're going to go with Optimus Prime. Well, and he's a household name. Well, so was, but listen, at the time, so was Leader One and Psy Kill. Well, I mean, sure, but I mean, like, I'm saying, again, on this national level, it's kind of like WWE and NWA, right? Right, 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 right. I mean, Transformers was WWE um, F and Frank Welker was in this. Peter Cullen, yeah, played played Tank. Okay, cool. So um, Now, is this out on DVD? Is this GoBots out on DVD? Uh, they've got something out on DVD. By the way, we have lost our feed. Wow, we're just talking. <laughs> no, it just happened. I'm I'm bringing us back around here. Okay. We we did lose our feed momentarily, but we're we're going to bring it back around ASAP. I mean, look, Dave, we've been going 16 dang hours. What do you expect? Oh, lord. So, got to got to launch this thing. Oh, man. Uh I don't know what mm. What is this? 
It's got to be... Oh no, I know what it is. Shoot. Let's see if this will do it for us. Eve through Steve through the barbershop window. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. We had a, had a bit of a mix-up. Mixler crashed on me, guys. Mixler crashed. And uh, first time. First time. Um, you know who it wouldn't have crashed on? Who? Captain Kirk. Yeah, it would have. Yeah, he it would have. <laughs> um, well, Picard would have done the uh, saucer separation, right? So. Right. Exactly. He would have been. He would have run for the hills. Run <laughs> to the hills. So we were talking about were there any GoBots DVDs out there? There's one. Yeah, it's called the Challenge of the GoBots. Let me pull. Let me uh, pull that up for you real quick, Dave. Um, I can tell you exactly what it is. I think it is the um, the the release of it's the movie kind of thing that they did. It's called Challenge of the GoBots. It's the original miniseries. Like, it's like five episodes worth of what they did. And so you've got uh, how the GoBots came to Earth and such as. Mm -hmm. um, and then they've got, yeah, now I'm looking at this. They've got the Challenge of the GoBots series volume one, um, which includes, they had a Saturday morning cartoon. And I remember their, I want to say Hanna-Barbera actually did their the animation for this thing um sounds right but i don't i can't swear to it yeah i mean i think i can um nice yeah i'm pretty sure i can Hanna Barbera classic collection so there it is how about that yeah look at you thank you um no i was into the gobots i was into any of these robots that turned into uh cars and vice versa but mm -hmm. what happened is the transformers did get more popular right and so the gobots began to copy some things from the transformers combiners um the the idea of a big base that's kind of a gobot um the they put on suits and combined but they also had uh, a bad guy it was like a giant robot dragon named zod I do remember that. Mm -hmm. And the toy would pop up, and he had a button underneath that you could use the spear and push the button and shut him down. <laughs> mm -hmm. True story. I love it. True story. I love it. Now, I will say uh, that my friend Kevin, who lived next door, had all of these, mm -hmm. so I never had to buy many of them. Yeah. But I absolutely remember having Transformers versus GoBots Wars. So yeah. I was doing, you know, fan fiction before it was even called such. And, um, you know, pretty much the last man standing was Optimus Prime. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure when this cartoon ran. Mm -hmm. um, it actually started in... They, they did a miniseries in 84, late 84... And the regular series began premiering, gee whiz, almost a year later in 85. Um, and so, yeah, so the reason a lot of people call them the poor man's Transformers is because though the toy line came first, the cartoon, 
the cartoon, I don't think, I think did not. Right. So, you know, and hey, that's just the nature of the beast, son. So, so maybe Michael Bay will get a hold of this and we'll get a GoBots trilogy. Somewhere along the line, I think the two franchises got combined. Because there was a there was a Transformers series called I want to say it might have been Armada no Transformers Energon or Transformers Armada uh huh um, where there were mini bots and one of the mini bots' name was Leader One oh cool microbots yeah so um, yeah so I think that the that somehow things combined but look at this now I, I want you to see some of these people in the challenge of the GoBots. Some of these voice actors. I've already mentioned Frank Welker, of course, the great Frank Welker. Absolutely. Peter Cullen. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Foster Brooks. Um, Phil Hartman. Nice. Alan Oppenheimer. Um, Casey Kasem on there. Michael Bell. I'd Michael be Bell. I'd be surprised if Casey Kasem isn't on here. Michael Bell also did Duke. Is that right? Yes. yes. Yeah, Michael Bell was Duke. He was several people. Yes. I don't see Casey Kills, but man, they've got all kinds of additional voices here. Let me come back up to this Michael Bell thing, just so people know he was in the 80s. Um, fantastic guy. Fantastic voice actor. Very pro- prolific is the word I'm looking for. Um, I don't see... that guy. There it goes. It took a while to load. Um got to come on down here to the 80s cuz he's i mean he's you know he's been working for years so yeah absolutely um, got to come on down to the 80s now cohen says it's armada armada that's right cohen's right <coughs> cohen's on me yeah there was a lot that came out did i say armada i think you said armada and then you said energon right, so we but weren't it, sure we right, were trying to figure out which armada. one yeah uh you're talking about uh the voice of zan from super friends michael bell Oh yeah. Uh he was um Dr. Bruce Banner in the Incredible Hulk 1980 cartoon series. Ah, cool. Yeah, he was Duke. He was some Smurfs. Um he was uh let's see what else we got here just for the heck of it. Um he was in Mr. T at some point. He was in Rubik the Amazing Cube. He was Grundle in My Little Pony. He was All-Star, Seaworthy, All-Star the Snork. Um, the main Snork and Snorks. Um, he was Lance in Voltron. Nice. Yeah. Man, he made the rounds. Yeah, a lot of them did. Um, let's see what else we got. He also, let's see what else we got up here. Already taught. He was in Centurions. He was John Thunder in Centurions. He in Transformers the movie, Prowl, Scrapper, Swoop, amongst others. Um, that still holds up, dude. Yes, yeah, sir. The original. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you remember the Inhumanoids? Vaguely. Yeah, I remember them. Uh, I never had any, but I remember they were big toys. Yes. They made a they made a short lived television series. Of course, in the eighties, they were making, you know television series out of everything so, oh yeah um, it was he was it lex, really was the heyday of cartoons he was I mean. lex luther in the oh. 1988 ruby spears superman that's a good Saturday show too. cartoon yeah yeah i like it 
Um, I've already mentioned he was in the Smurfs. Um, he was in Tales. Should have had him in Clone Wars. That would have been awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was surprised they waited so... Now, maybe it was not their fault, but mm -hmm. surprised that it took so long to get Mark Hamill on there, but... I, well, well, Dave Filoni said countless times that, you know, that he was just waiting. Mark had actually, from what I understand, asked. And uh, and he just wanted to make sure he had the right role for him. He, oh, didn't, he, he did just didn't too. want to plug him in anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, he, he had a tremendous role. In the 90s Incredible Hulk series, he was Zach's. Michael, still on Michael Bell, by the way. This is now what. Was now, is that one of the Incredible Hulk shows that you enjoy, or is that were, you, were they getting a little there, out there? There are parts of it I really like, and then there are other ones that I could, other parts of it I could do without. Mm -hmm. I I didn't really care for the characterization of the leader in in that thing. He was a little too mustache twirly. Matt Frewer did the voice of the leader in that series, and and I liked I liked his voice, but he was a little too mustache twirly for me. Well, I remember in the 90s, uh, Spider-Man, I remember being a little let down by Blade. Like, I thought Blade, and I didn't always think he was going to be Wesley Snipes, but I just remember when Blade came on there, it was a little weird, so. Well, that Spider-Man cartoon got a little weird sometimes. Did. He was always monologuing, too. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's right out of the comics. Yeah, true enough. Um, I'm really interested. Is this a real thing? This GoBot Series 1? Um, I'm calling Michael Bay to buy it up. No, I hope not. What's he got on his plate? All kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, man. All kinds of stuff. See, all formats and editions. Maybe John Woo will come back. <laughs> Maybe Woo S. Kim will do it when he gets out of film school. Now, this says DVD-R note. This note is manufactured on demand when ordered from Amazon.com. Oh wow, that's like that's like barely legal stuff right there. I know that's weird. I ain't getting into that then. <laughs> Let's go back to this channel. Let's go back to this movie. <laughs> I'm going to go back to this movie. Someone gave me Mask the Complete series. I think Rich did a while back, and I haven't. I need to sit down and watch it. Who are these people giving you this stuff? I don't know. I need some stuff given to me. I'll give you something, buddy. <laughs> You, all your Star Trek stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll give you all my Star Trek stuff. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, well, I've totally taken way too much time. Yeah, man, uh, it's fine. It's fine. You said it'd be about 10 minutes. You knew. <laughs> you knew the minute you came on talking Star Trek. You knew. Well, here's what I thought would happen. Um, I thought you would no-sell it and just be like, I, Dave, the truth is I just don't care. I tried that, and then you got all, you got all mad. Well, because you're a movie fan, and you like movies. You have to care, Stephen. <laughs> you must care about this. <laughs> if no. you don't care about this, then you've got a problem. <laughs> I don't understand how you cannot care about something. It's so oh, important. My God. You oh, my God. I love this. James Tiberius Kirk. Why don't you love this? I'm so angsty. Which, by the way, I have a friend at work. Yeah. And she wants to. She absolutely wants to name Most. her son's middle name Tiberius. Oh, I thought you were, I thought you were about saying she absolutely wants to meet you. 
Well, I might. There may be. I don't know. I haven't asked everybody. But right. Well, find out. I hey, will. you guys want to meet Steve Glosson? Anyone? Hey, anyone here want to meet Steve Glosson? Anybody? All right, I'll let him know. Steve, no one at work wants to meet you. <laughs> Space Stars, the complete series. Now, I thought we were going to get a Robotech movie. I don't I know. Thought, I, I, I had heard that uh, the Smallville guys were going to write this and that Tobey Maguire had something to do with it. Well, they probably did, and it probably did, and it probably just didn't pan out. It's just sitting on the shelf. Somewhere. Why is all this stuff being manufactured on demand when ordered by Amazon.com? That's sketchy, bro. It is, but it's it's Amazon Prime. Galaxy Quest is better than Star Trek. Oh, Galaxy Quest is a good movie. Have you ever seen Galaxy Quest? Oh, yeah. It's great, but it's kind of a parody of Star Trek. Ships and sold. Ships from and sold by Amazon.com. Learn more. <laughs> Put it in your DVD player if you want your DVD player to explode. <laughs> Through manufacturing on demand, Create Space, part of the Amazon.com group of companies, enables Amazon.com to offer music and video content that might not otherwise be available. Each disc comes fully packaged with artwork in a standard jewel case for audio and an MRA case for video. Although for reissued products, the artwork may differ from the original. Create Space works with many of the leading music labels, television networks, film studios, and other distributors to make these titles available to Amazon.com customers. All products are manufactured from original source materials. By eliminating inventory, waste, and inefficiencies in the distribution system, on-demand manufacturing provides the added benefit of helping preserve the environment. When shopping, you'll see CDR or DVDR on the product detail page for such products. Amazon.com's standard return policy applies to these purchases. Oh, so it's legit. Now, did they knock off any price? This is twenty eight twenty two for Thundar the Barbarian, the complete series, four-disc set. The Hanna-Barbera Classic Collection, Thundar the Barbarian. Eh. Ookla the Mock! Uh, the Herculoids. twenty eight twenty two for the Herculoids, complete series. Now, Robotech has a complete series out. Space too. Ghost! <laughs> oh, by the way, Steve, mm -hmm. uh, Flash totally... This is not a spoiler, Yeah, but he totally pulls out a Space Ghost comic. You have to watch for it this week. But... I have not seen it yet. Uh, yeah, okay. Robotech the Complete Series, uh, 4837. I gotta tell you, I don't care. Hmm. I never got into Robotech, Dave. Well, I mean, I don't live and die by it, but it was entertaining. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying yeah. I never got into it. I hear you. But this is not the DVD. They're not. This is in stock. Sold by Nobody Beats Dawes and fulfilled by Amazon.com. Oh, we thought it was a Batman comic. I thought it was Space Ghost. Huh. Oh well. Same thing. Same thing. Batman and Space Ghost are the same characters, Dave. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. You sound like Billy D, man. I don't. Hello, what have we here? Well, of course I know they took my. Well, of course I knew they took the fuel. That's the why fuel. I didn't That's pay why them. I didn't pay them. 
I love that he was just talking to Pig all of a sudden. I was like, poor Lando. You're my new buddy, Pig. <laughs> I'm glad I have you here. That way we can be I don't friends. have no ship, and I don't have... <laughs> I got no ship, got no lady, but I've got a pig. Not oh, my gosh. Johnny Quest, the complete first season. Why, Johnny Quest. <sighs> you pig. certainly do belong here with us in the clouds. Now, who was on... Oh, it was Jimmy Mac talking about uh, Lobot was one of the Kryptonians. Yeah, right? Now... I believe he was the one in the Lester cut in part two when uh, Luther and them are in the... Can, listen, uh, hold on. I need to call time out. Bro, bro, bro. I just right. want to say this, bro. Can you just say in Superman part two, you don't have to say the Lester cut. To me, if you say Superman part two, I'm thinking the Lester cut. You've got to add the Donner cut when you talk about Oh, it. I see what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very good. Well played. Okay. Freeze. Superman two. A poem by Joyce... Somebody. Yes, I Lobot? think that I shall never see a poem lovely as a tree. A tree. It's amazing. This <laughs> is fantastic. I mean, all right, we got to find something. But Lex, I like trees. So does your average cocker spaniel. <laughs> oh, I love it. In fact, when we learned that poem in school, I immediately recognized it as coming from Superman 2. Now, did you raise your hand and say such? No. Okay. I knew. See, I, I, I would have done that, and then forever, in a day, none of the girls would have talked to me. Of course, Hon at that point, I don't know what I would have cared. But Hong Kong Fooey, the complete series. Hanna Barbera had some good. Do you remember the Huckleberry Hound specials? Uh, yes. Of course. Those are some. Good, that was some good stuff. Captain Caveman, and the Teen Angels. Captain. Caveman. Speed Buggy. You remember Speed Buggy? Vaguely. Yeah. I think there was actually a live action Speed Buggy. Dave, let me tell you what this has devolved to at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> Steve, the, the podcast has become, everyone listen to Steve troll through Amazon to see what he sees that might pique his interest. Come, shop Amazon with me, please. Have you seen the cover of the Survivor Series DVD for this past year? Oh, dude, I saw it at Walmart tonight. It's got Sting on it. Got Sting's eyes. Yeah, ridiculous. I feel like that's a little misleading. Slightly, but, you know, it kind of makes sense. He's watching. He's watching. I always feel like somebody's watching what? me. Now, they've got Birdman and the Galaxy Trio. Eh. Listen, I always liked these Hanna-Barbera superheroes. They um, were weird, though. I liked them, though. I did like them. I thought, there was some, I thought they all had potential. Birdman! That's how he sounded. <laughs> um, I like I, Harvey Birdman. Now, see, and that's what I was about to say. When Adult Swim came along, they kind of they made these guys jokes. And, well, Steve, let's be honest. Nope. Mm -mm, don't you dare. Because mm -mm. if if this were if this were some great wrestler that they made a joke out of, you'd be like, I can't believe they let them. They just went out there and oh my god, and you would get all high pitched. I'd be like, Yeah, yeah. You'd be having to hold me back. Yeah, you'd be like, yeah, Exactly. It's a heck of a lot better than that. <laughs> I don't think you could talk me into buying the Shazam series. No, that was weird. The stuff I've seen from that, I do not enjoy. 
Yeah, it's not not on my uh, wish list. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'll tell you what it is. It's this Justice League Throne of Atlantis. Yeah? Yeah, I'm ready to see that. I'm ready. I'll, DC, man, these these uh, animated movies are just gold. So, I like looking, for, looking forward to Heir to the Jedi, where yeah. we get a first-person Luke Skywalker story. It's I've, I've read part of it. It's pretty good. I it's at the talk. end of Tarkin, right? Huh? It's There's like a little bit at the end of Tarkin, right? No, no, no. I have a copy. What? You heard me. <sighs> I got a review copy. Teresa, I'm your best friend. Send me such things. Teresa's not here. I know she's not. All right, guys. Um, I feel certain this will be edited out. <laughs> yeah, different Sunday things. So uh, someone asked what's what's on, and Yitzi in the chat says, I think gold, but it's hard to tell at this point. <laughs> Pretty much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember, remember when we, uh, remember when I thought I would try to do a break a world's record and go for like 50 hours? That was stupid of me. Remember when you were talking about it? Yeah. Yeah. Now that I see that I can't even go 15 and a half or 16 and a half, I can't do math. Mm. I can't even go 16 and a half day without hitting a wall. How do I think I can break a world record? I don't know. Because I, I, I suck, Dave. I can't. I mean, we could have got into the intricacies of Star Trek. Don't more, you? Uh, Dave. <laughs> All right, I'm hanging up. <laughs> don't hang up on I'm me. I'm hanging up, and I'm closing the show out. <sighs> Dave, right, man. 1625, man. It's been a good day. It has. I, mine's only showing 20 minutes, though. So. <laughs> what you talking about? Yeah, we raised it all in 20 minutes' time. You're exactly right. No, I'm talking about we raised $1,625. Oh yes, that's fantastic. And and we podcasted sixteen hours and twenty some odd minutes. I don't know how that works out, but still, great great job, everybody. A buck a minute. Let's basically. go get some shawarma. <laughs> Thanks, you've saved planet Earth. Yeah, he's for every one of us. Stand for every one of us. All right, Dave. Thank you, man. That's, for my, all- that's my favorite ending of a movie. Great. But go ahead. Thank, I was just going to say thanks for all you do, buddy. Appreciate Thank you. Thank you, sir. And happy birthday to you, brother. Thank you, I man. You. Have a good night. All right. You too, man. See ya. Bye.
yeah. Rock Sugar, the unofficial house band of the entire Goldiverse, bringing us back in. want to thank Dave Jones uh, for calling in and, and bringing us down to Star Trek on the uh, charity marathon on January 24th. When, when he found out he was cut from the last episode, I got a text from him. He's like, really kind of hurt that you cut me, bro. So I laughed at him, and we moved on. Because that's our relationship. That, that's how our friendship rolls. Man, we got several things to cover, several things to talk about. A couple of them I'm going to just bump through really fast to kind of get to the meat of things. Um, cause it is, it's, uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting time to be into comic books and comic book movies. Uh, the first thing is, um, this also comes from io9.com. Um, and, uh, I don't know where this actually comes comes from i believe comic book resources is the original link um but at the end of apparently the latest uh kind of crossover the big superman uh situation um at the end of it there's a page that's full of crystals and they're full of old dc universes and um and not the usual, he says, this person, this reader says, not the usual multiverse stuff. Uh, CBR labeled these things, and there's Jack Kirby's OMAC. They're saying that there's a Harley Quinn there that is the, the Bruce Timverse, the, 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 uh, the animated universe, if you will. Uh, Wolfman and Perez's Teen Titans. Uh, Earth 4, the, the Charlton Heroes, as they're called. Earth 6, Pre-Crisis. Uh, Earth 2, Earth S. Um, 1191 and Elseworlds, uh, where Batman's like a vampire, uh, flashpoint stuff they say is there and, um, post crisis, uh, post infinite crisis, 30th century earth X, which I thought earth X was, uh, from something else. But then, uh, also of course, new 52 and it looks like Brainiac is on a crystal himself and he's looking at all these things and he says, what is this? So post crisis pre new fifty two. I'm sorry, it's it's a classic look of Superman. Um, there, um, he says, I wish I could tell you what DC is doing here, but I can't. It's beyond uh, this particular writer. DC could have judged the new fifty two a fun experiment. This time to end, they could have cynically started the new fifty two to jump sales and planning to bring. Uh, to bring the pre-New 52 but post-Crisis DC Universe back. Um, or they could be completely n- devoted and it could just be another multiverse story that, that's coming about. Um, I, I don't know. He says, um, he says, whatever DC does with this stuff, they did not have it planned. Um, so I, that's that's getting a little editorial there. I don't I don't necessarily want that. Anyhow, the thought process is this, um, is that DC may very well be um, undoing the new 52 universe. Uh, there's, a, there's a slate of books. We talk about it on the latest um, Starkville Labs. There's apparently a slate of books coming out that they're keeping like 24 titles, and then there's another new 24 titles coming out. I'm really not sure... 
Um, I, I really don't know. And, um, and, and the, the, someone in the chat says that he's a Batman is a vampire. There was an Elseworlds story that played out in the 1100s and Batman is like a vampire type character. So, uh, so I don't know. It feels too soon to do anything major like that. It's one thing to kind of have a multiverse story where it's like these characters are visiting these characters and, you know, they're becoming friends or what have you. But it feels way too soon for them to try to do another crisis. They really need to get their legs going in this universe. I feel like I feel like they've made some good strides with the New 52 over the past few years from what everyone seems to be saying. It, it's... It, the the newness has worn off, but so has a lot of the hate and criticism for it. Uh, I'm not seeing as much as that as I used to. I'm not reading it because I don't buy comics anymore the way I used to. This Marvel Unlimited app has completely got me spoiled, and and that's kind of how I do my comics now. And I've said that if DC will do a DC Unlimited app uh, or something, I would completely um, completely get on board with that. Um, speaking of Marvel comics and what I've been reading, a lot of people have been asking me about this kind of stuff on the Marvel side of things I have been reading. I mentioned the fantastic four. Um, you know, I'm going back and reading classic issues of it, just kind of working my way through the entire run, uh, week to week though, as they're releasing quote unquote new stuff, which their new stuff on the Marvel unlimited app is six months old, five or six months old. I'm right at the tail end of the original sin storyline which it, what you know it i'm just kind of reading this thing i'm like huh and basically what it is it's just another reason to make these heroes hate each other and to make them all unlikable um the new avengers slash infinity storyline i've been I, I went back to read the infinity storyline because i was reading the new avengers because hickman they were talking about jonathan hickman that the secret wars thing is what he's been leading up to and guys let me tell you he has uh, he's been doing his own version of Crisis on Infinite Earths with this thing, and it's just kind of like, I feel like I've seen this before in every issue. I, I like the way that they'll do previously in, and they'll do like a page where they, they literally reconstruct panels from, the. so it's like you're watching a TV show, but then the, the storyline just drags and drags and drags, and it's not exciting. It's just bloated and kind of boring. But I'm reading it. I mean, it's an interesting story. It's just, I, I want more out of it than what I'm getting. Um, Fantastic Four I'm reading, and it's a tragedy what they're doing. They're, 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 they're completely breaking down the team, where I'm at now in the, in the course of reading. They're completely breaking down the team. People all over the world are turning on them for things that have been staples in the comics for years and years now. It's that thing that, that happens... You know, when you watch the movie Incredibles and the guy sues Mr. Incredible for saving his life and, and then that you know, that starts a spiraling thing out of control where the public turns on the heroes, we've kind of done it before in the comics with the Registration Act and that sort of thing. But at the same time, it's like you got to keep some wonder about this. You've got to keep it a little bit, you know, off the beaten path of what would happen in reality. You've just got to, you got to. You can't have a world where everyone's just turning on these superheroes or... You know, and and what you're seeing is is you're seeing all the you're seeing super you're seeing soap operas with people who happen to have superpowers, and you're not seeing what you really tune into superhero stuff for, which is good guys versus bad guys. 
Um, it, this is going beyond a deconstruction, and they're literally destroying uh, the Fantastic Four. It, it's kind of a sad thing to read. It, it's it's kind of heartbreaking. Um, I am reading Guardians of the Galaxy. It's a good title, and I'm not reading... I'm, I, I wish they'd get to Guardians 3000 on the Marvel Unlimited app, because that's what I really want to check out. The Guardians title is good, um, and, and understand I've gone back to kind of start over and catch up with some stuff. It's just... You know, the first few stories in the in in the volume I was reading were driving toward that whole infinity thing, and it was just too much across the board. And then post uh, Guardians movie or leading up to the Guardians movie, they were trying to shoehorn the Guardians into everything, um, and it, sometimes they feel forced. I don't know. It's just it's it's not it's not it's good, just not that great. Um, Hulk. I don't know that people really know how to write this character anymore. Um, depending on what book you pick up, you're going to get a different version of the Hulk. You're going to get whatever Hulk suits the writer of the book that the Hulk is in. There's no continuity when it comes to the Hulk. But, that being said, the Hulk title has been really interesting. They've been doing some neat stuff with this character. Uh, it, it's a rehashing of stuff we've seen before with a little bit of a different twist on a little bit of a different slant. And I'm really interested to see where it's going. The last issue that I read had a really cool cover that I wish they'd make a poster of or a, or an iPhone case of or something. It looked really cool. Um, amazing. Uh, well, Spider-Man 2099, Spider-Man 2099 is, uh, it's, it's picking up with this character. He's trapped in the present day. This is written by Peter David, one of the greatest comic book writers of all time in my estimation. I, it, I'm only two issues in, and I've liked them tremendously. I've really enjoyed what Peter David's doing with this title uh, and what he's doing with this character. Uh, it's a cool-looking character. It is a it's it's a neatly written character to be back some six, uh, 85 years in the past um, and tied into what is coming down the road to his future. And this also plays in some of the Spider-Verse stuff that's going to be going on, or that has already been going on, but is in the Marvel Unlimited app, going to be going on here pretty soon. And Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man is one of the best titles I've read in Marvel in a long, long time. It's everything a superhero book needs to be. And I can't I can't speak for, you know, Amazing Spider-Man that's coming out in the month of February of 2015 because I'm, again, six months behind. But I can vouch for at least the first four or five issues of The Amazing Spider-Man uh, from 2014. So um, I, those are the things I'm reading. And speaking of Spider-Man, this is the big news. This is really the reason I'm doing a Geek Out Loud tonight. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size. Now, here's truth. As much as I love the Hulk in, in Marvel Comics, as much as I love the Fantastic Four, and as much as I have enjoyed the Marvel Cinematic Universe, when you're talking about iconic characters from Marvel Comics, it... it, it it begins with the most iconic Marvel character, Spider-Man. There's no getting around that. 
there's no single character in the Marvel pantheon of characters that is as iconic and famous as Spider-Man, as, as readily recognizable as Spider-Man. There's just, there's just not. That's not. It's not at all. Um, so it is that when Marvel began their own studio and we're going to start doing these properties in-house with Iron Man, Iron Man was kind of what they had, him and Captain America. Uh, I even feel like Captain America is a little more iconic than what Iron Man is, just simply because of the time frame that he's been around longer. I was shocked when they did an Iron Man film. And in the early days of hearing about Marvel doing an Iron Man film, I kind of rolled my eyes. I'm like, this, there's no way this is going to work. But it worked tremendously. I'm so glad I was wrong. Um, Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark on screen is perfect. If you write that stuff and you write that character in the comics and you don't have the right voice to hear in your mind, it's not going to work as well as what it does on screen. But it works. And, and Iron Man is just... The, those That first movie was just... Uh, blow me away amazing um and it really put iron man on the map as one of the more iconic marvel characters of all time for reals uh there had been an iron man cartoon in the 90s before that not much not much out of old iron man not as much as there was out of spider-man and the hulk and even the fantastic four um and and so so it is that as as the 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 coming of the Marvel Cinematic Universe began to happen, and we saw what Marvel was willing to do and how they were treating these characters and what they were doing with these characters. There is, as an emailer said earlier in the show, there is this kind of longing for them to get their hands on a Spider-Man or the X-Men um, or the Fantastic Four. There is kind of this longing to say, we bring these all under the same umbrella. And for me, it's not just about wanting to see them connected in this universe. It's about wanting to see the people who, the creative minds behind things like Iron Man and the Avengers and and Guardians of the Galaxy, this same group of producers get their hands on this most iconic character. Well, last night, as of the time of this recording, Variety reported, uh, this this is an article from Variety by Stuart Odom, uh, Spider-Man Returns to Marvel, new movie coming in 2017. Uh, in a reboot of the Spider-Man franchise, Sony Pictures Entertainment has announced a new partnership with Marvel Studios that brings the popular superhero to the Marvel Universe. A new Spider-Man film will hit theaters on July 28, 2017. So apparently all of the Sinister Six stuff, all of the Venom stuff, all of this other stuff may be being scrapped. There's no word on that yet. But Spider-Man being rebooted, that to me would lead me to believe that all these other plans they had are gone. Um, Sony has owned the feature rights to comic book characters since 1999 when Marvel sold them for $7 million. According to the deal, Sony and Marvel will cast a new Spidey after Andrew Garfield starred in the last two films, The Amazing Spider-Man and The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Tobey Maguire played Peter Parker in the previous three installments for Sony. Marvel's Kevin Feige will produce the rebooted Spider-Man with Amy Pascal, who recently stepped down as co-chairman of Sony in a new producer deal. She oversaw the $4 billion Spider-Man franchise for over 13 years at the studio. Sony will continue to distribute finance own and have final creative control over the Spider-Man picks. That's important right there. They'll work with Marvel 
to weave Spider-Man's character into Marvel's upcoming superhero films, which includes the popular franchise, The Avengers. As Variety, as Variety previously reported, Marvel plans on bringing the Civil War storyline from the comic books to launch the next phase of films. It's very likely that Spider-Man will make his first appearance in Captain America Civil War next year. Now, that's all speculation by this writer. To make room for Spider-Man, Disney has rescheduled a number, a number of Marvel tentpoles, including Thor Ragnarok, which originally planned to open on July 28th. 2017 it moves to november 3rd 2017 black panther had the november 3rd date it's going to move up it says to july 6 uh marvel's inhumans meanwhile has now moved back to summer 2019 while captain marvel moves back to november 2018 bob Iger, chairman and ceo of the walt disney company sent a statement spider-man is one of marvel's great characters beloved around the world we're thrilled to work with sony pictures to bring the iconic web slinger into the marvel cinematic universe which opens up a fantastic new opportunities for storytelling and franchise building. I'm thrilled to team with my friends at Sony Pictures along with Amy Pascal uh, to produce the next Spider-Man movie, said Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige. Amy has been deeply involved in the realization on film of one of the world's most beloved characters. Marvel's involvement will hopefully deliver the creative continuity and authenticity that fans demand from the MCU. Sony chairman Michael Linton added, this is the right decision for the franchise, for our business, for Marvel, and for the fans. Further details on the agreement are unknown. Um, now look, Sony has been in upheaval because of... I won't say upheaval, that's too strong a word. Sony's been kind of in rocky places because of the leaks, the, all the all the stuff that they're hacked and, and they got leaked and that sort of thing. The whole interview debacle that went on back in December. Um, you know, but... This is something that's apparently been in the works and been in the works and been in the works, and it's so great that they finally kind of came to an agreement. Um, this is something, this is, this is cinematic history, this is movie history as much as it is just this really cool thing for the fans. You have two major movie studios working together, coming together, having banged out listen understand the deals that had to be banged out here you had to bang out who's going to get a cut of what you had to bang out distribution for home video you know if they're doing even right down to the if we do a box set if we do this <clears throat> um the thing that gives me pause is sony will have final creative control i don't like that idea <laughs> i wish they would just say because if I'm Sony, I look at what we've done versus what Marvel Studios has done, and I'm like, why would we ever want creative control? We'll just screw it up anyway. That's ego at play. That little situation there is just is studio ego at play. However, the large picture is this. We're going to see Marvel Studios working on Spider-Man, and I could not be happier about this. This is pretty spectacular. Um, it is, it, it is amazing and it is web of, um, already, you know, everyone's speculating over how this is going to work. How, where is it going to fit in? Of course, the civil war speculation has begun because Spider-Man played a key role in the civil war. A lot of people are already, you know, clamoring for Miles Morales. Let's get Miles in there. Let's get Miles in there. I, whoa, Tiger, back up real quick. I like Miles Morales. I've read a little bit of that character, and I really dig what he brings to the table. The problem with doing Miles Morales as Spider-Man right now 
is that what makes Miles so special in the comics is not his ethnicity. It has to do with the fact that he's honoring the memory of Peter Parker. I just, I get really sick and tired of all, sometimes of all this diversity for diversity's sake. And I get tired of, like, like there's this whole new title that Marvel's launching that's an all-women Avengers team. I'm all for that. You know why? Because She-Hulk's in it. And She-Hulk has always been a great, strong character. And she's funny, and she's smart, and she's powerful. There are a lot of great female characters that when you put them together on the same Avengers team, it's going to be a great comic if it's well-written. You've got so many factors that play into putting a comic book out that go way beyond what kind of diversity are we getting from this? What kind of story are we going to be getting from this? You know, what kind of, what kind of adventures are we going to be getting from That's what really matters in these things. And, and the fact that they're doing an all-female Avengers team, I say go for it. That's great. Because there are a lot of strong female characters in the Marvel Universe who have always been strong female characters. You know, who've been there for years and years and years and years. Since I was a kid, you know, they've been there. Um, Jennifer Walters as She-Hulk is one of those. As you move along down the line, I believe Sue Storm is one of those. Um, The Invisible Woman. Uh, but what I'm saying is, is that, so now everyone's jumped on this diversity train to say, well, we need miles. It needs to be miles Morales. No, it doesn't because his character does not exist as Spider-Man unless Peter Parker dies. So you've got in, in, in a rebooted situation and yeah, you know what? We're going to get an origin for the 50th time, or maybe we won't, but you've got to have Peter Parker get established You've got to have this character. You've got to have everyone get to know this character and get on board with this character and, and get him into this universe. And then, should he die, it really opens a door for Miles Morales to come in and, and win our hearts on the big screen. And I'm perfectly okay with that. But then again, I'm not that great with the Ultimate Universe idea. So, that, see, that's the thing. It's like, hold up. Let's stop hollering for things until we know what we're going to get. Because there's so much speculation out there. There's so much things that are going on that um, that you know we that we don't know. This is so new. This is so new. Um, <clears throat> now, Tad says they need as little confusion as possible. I'm almost certain they'll not do another reboot. It'll just be a Hulk-like recasting. The story and variety, the word that is used, is reboot. In a reboot of the Spider-Man franchise, Sony Pictures Entertainment has announced a new partnership. Um, they're recasting, they're rebooting. I, I do. But what I do think they'll do, rather than do a full-on origin story, is do what they did in The Incredible Hulk and maybe do that origin story in the opening credits and we'll just go from there. And I think that that is the way to go with this. Um a lot of people are speculating the Civil War thing because Spider-Man had a big hand in Civil War. He unmasked in Civil War. I don't know that that needs to happen. Um, uh, I don't know. I just don't know. Um, yeah, I. Tad says he used reboot. Yes, origins. No, I agree, Tad. I think. I think if they're smart, they won't do a full-on origin story. They'll have it in the opening credits. Um, you know, even though you've got the whole Uncle Ben thing, look, I straight up, they haven't done the origin perfect yet by any stretch of the imagination. But 
I'm a, I don't want to sit through another origin story either. I want to see, I want to get right into Spider-Man. Um, and the way they did it with Incredible Hulk was, was really well done. So it's, it's just really, really exciting. They're going to do this now. Uh, it has been reported. Um, they're getting ready to put out a casting call to find the next Spider-Man. The plan is for the character to go back to high school. Um, Variety says, and this is from Variety again. So this is stuff where they're, you know, Variety's reputable, reputable, reputable. Uh, Variety's learned from sources with knowledge of the studio's plans. A number of actors already have been mentioned. Of course they have. Uh, they've yet to be approached, though. Sources say Sony is looking to hire a new director to replace the Amazing Spider-Man films, Mark Webb, before tapping a new Spidey. I don't blame them. I think Mark Webb did a good job. I, I think Spider-Man 2 might have been the result of some studio mucking. I, because in places it was so good. And there, there were places in that movie that were just perfect. But Amazing Spider-Man 2, there were other places where it just wasn't. And and it was one of these things like, oh, we got it. I don't know. There's this rushed feeling about it of just trying to get so much in so fast. Um, I, you know, I'm okay with them going back to, to high school because I think that um, I think that the idea of having Spider-Man in high school is a really neat concept in the midst of this Marvel Cinematic Universe. And because this is a high school kid living in New York, he's also he was there. He remembers what it was when the aliens attacked. And I guess the idea is he didn't have his powers then. Um, but he remembers what it was when the aliens attacked. He knows about these superheroes. So you get a teenager now who's been exposed to these other heroes who wants to be like them. Um, I'd like to see us not get a Doc Ock. I mean, I'm sorry, a Green Goblin. I'd like, um, I'd like to see some other characters, you know, some of Spider-Man's other villains. Because in the pantheon of rogues galleries, I think it goes Batman's... I, no, you know what? I take that back. Batman's got a wonderful rogues gallery. I like Spider-Man's full rogues gallery better than I like Batman's. I'm just saying it. That doesn't make Batman's bad. I just said he's got a great rogues gallery. But I think one and two slots for rogues gallery go to Spider-Man and Batman. And I think you can alternate either of those out. No other hero has the the depth on the rogues gallery roster. Even the Flash, um, you know, who has an interesting rogues gallery. But... It's no Batman. I mean, look, you got Batman. You just start Batman with the Joker. You go from there to the Penguin. You go from there to the Riddler. You go from there to Catwoman. You go to Two-Face, of course. Um, and those are just your big ones. You know, those are your big five of the Batman rogues gallery. You get into people like Bane, Killer Croc. You get into Poison Ivy, who I think is also a pretty big baddie mr freeze you know these are huge big good villains for batman clayface great villains for batman spider-man you got the green goblin you got doc ock craven the hunter i would love to see marvel do craven's last hunt you know that's that's a storyline that would be great for a spider-man uh film uh you've got i said doc ock <laughs> Electro. Now, Electro, I don't think Electro was done justice in Amazing Spider-Man 2. I think Electro is one of those key Spider-Man villains from back in the day. The electricity and the way that he uses electricity, 
not becomes electricity but uses it definitely plays against spider-man's spider sense in a big bad way and his his agility and everything else that, that, that he has going with him mysterio i think is one of the greatest spider-man villains of all time i love mysterio I always knew Kingpin as a Spider-Man villain before I, you know, before Daredevil. Uh, I don't know where his origin actually, um, what his actual origin is. Um, let me Google that for you. Um, but I always knew him as a as a as a Spider-Man villain, and I think he's a great one, you know, because he's someone that Spider-Man couldn't put away. He's someone that Spider-Man couldn't couldn't you know put down. Um, Kingpin in the comics. Uh, I messed up. Um, there we go. See what his first appearance was. First appearance, Amazing Spider-Man number 50. I knew it. I knew it. Uh, so he's in there, especially now. Of course, he's going to be in the Daredevil series. Oh my gosh, you could have a Daredevil Spider-Man crossover, guys. You could have, oh. Look at the possibilities. These are things that have happened in the comic books time and time again. Um, you've got, uh, you've got, of course, you can get into the Venom and the Carnage stuff, but I don't even get there. Uh, Hobgoblin, I always thought was cool. Someone who stole the Green Goblin stuff, and they never really played that whole thing out the way that they uh, eventually meant to. Um, some other street level the lizard who we've seen is a good one um man um puma is one who's been around for a while that i that that you know he made some big he made big waves in the 80s honestly rhino is a good spider-man villain he was done no justice whatsoever in spider-man 2 but he's a good he's a good spider-man villain scorpion is a good one um all the animal names see what's going on there the Spider Slayers, Alistair Smythe and his Spider Slayers. Tarantula is another good one. Tombstone's a street-level thug character, man, um, who was just scary. The Vulture, good lord, you know. Um, I just feel like these are some really good... I feel like I like his... I guess it's because they're a little more colorful than Batman's villains. You know, you don't have the, the psychological edge that, you know, you have with some of the Batman's people, but... You know, with with Spider Man, you do. Oh, Chameleon was his first ever villain. He's a master of disguise. You know, um, good stuff. You have Boomerang, who is who's a Spider Man villain. But I'd hate to bring him to the screen just because it's too much like Captain Boomerang. Um, so yeah, I feel like he's got a great rogues gallery, and I'd love to see some of these folks get put out there. Um, so. So I'd love it. I'd, I'd love. I, I think this is just. This is what we've been clamoring for. This is what we've been wanting, and I think it's. I think it's really a, a cool thing and a cool world that we live in where this is happening now. I don't expect. I honestly don't expect. Uh, you know, Fox to follow suit. Their X Men franchise, especially because of the success of X Men First Class, have been very successful for them. It's going to be interesting, and I've said this for weeks now. It's going to be really interesting to see what the Fantastic Four does and where they go from there. Um, we see how they're scrambling now to get this Spider-Man thing in there. Should something happen with the Fantastic Four and should Marvel and Disney start playing nice, 
because they really want that Silver Surfer character, we could see some interesting things happen between now. I mean, it's 2015. We could see a lot of interesting things happen in the next four years. So it's just something to watch. It's something to keep an eye out for. But this is just some really fun news that is is just super exciting. Quick side note, it has been confirmed that Andy Serkis is going to be playing Ulysses Claw in uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, it, that was this, this comes from comic book resources. Uh, in addition to watermarkless ultra high resolution copies of 16 production images that were released from Avengers Age of Ultron, uh, they provided Stitch Kingdom with official captions that describe who's who. Um, Andy Serkis is featured in one of those 16 stills. It's confirmed the motion capture performer expert will be playing none other than Ulysses Claw. Uh, Claw is a character who who evolved into living sound over the years. Um, and we could see him come about again in Black Panther. So I just think it's cool. It's, it's little things like that. The Marvel kid in me is just super stoked about what Marvel is doing right now and how things are going. And if they can get their comic book stuff worked out, then good. You know, maybe Secret Wars is going to be the oomph that they need and and really the reset that they need to move forward and just go back to some good old-fashioned um, fighting between heroes and villains. Uh, I've still got to write that. Still got to write that, uh, that parody. Now, before we go, uh, two episodes ago, we had an emailer uh, get in touch with us um, who may or may not be from Indiana. And uh, he just wanted to let everyone know there were a lot of people getting on to our good friends Jason and Jimmy Mac for talking about the the doctoring that was done to Andy Serkis's voice in the Force Awakens trailer. And, uh, you know, and Jimmy was trying to explain, look, they do this to everybody. I'm not saying that he can't speak that low or, or have that gravelly voice, but, uh, this was raw audio. This, this particular listener found raw audio of Andy Serkis's voice undoctored, and he actually plugged it back into the Force Awakens trailer. So before we go, I thought it'd be worth playing that at least one more time. That, as they say, is that for this episode of Geek Out Loud. I want to thank everyone who's joined us tonight in the live chat at Mixler.com slash Goaliverse. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us late night. A lot of folks had to take off and go to bed. 
If you downloaded this, we really appreciate it. Listen, if you subscribe to us on iTunes, please go and leave us a review. We have been, it has been awesome uh, the past couple of weeks or days uh, at the time of recording. We've been right there in the top uh, page, the front page of what's hot. Um, and by what's hot, and by the front page, I mean like when you go to the TV and film genre of of, of podcasts, then you go down to what's hot. You scroll over a little bit. I mean, just past all the Smodcast stuff, and there's Geek Out Loud. It has been fantastic to be there. Now, we're not there now, but we were for a couple of days, and that's awesome. And the way that happens is, as you head over to iTunes, you leave us a review, and you let people know what you think of Geek Out Loud. You know, we prefer five stars, but we thank you for taking the time to even head over that way. We're still way high up in the what's hot, and we'd appreciate it if you'd help us stay there by going and leaving a review, leaving a rating. Head over to geekoutpodcast.com where you can find the links, the iTunes links to all of the Goldiverse shows. Make Remember, you've got to subscribe to those individually now. This feed is no longer a catch-all feed for uh, for the entire Goldiverse. Uh, so go, if any of the shows that you enjoy in the Goldiverse, go subscribe to those individually. Individually. And... Um, and then re- leave reviews for those. We greatly appreciate your help with that. If you want to support the shows, head to geekoutpodcast.com or geekoutonline.com. Use the Amazon links to do your Amazon shopping. Or you can, like our feature supporter, Rebecca, head over to patreon.com slash geekoutloud and support the shows directly through patreon.com slash geekoutloud. The email is geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. The Twitter, at Geek Out Loud. I'm at Steve Glosson. And uh, the entire Goloverse can be found at Goloverse. Flash fans, check out Starkville Labs with myself and Derek Russell. New shows drop every Tuesday morning as you prepare to watch the new episode of The Flash that evening. Rebel Yell. Check, you want to be there to listen to it this week. It's going to be a great episode with some great guests about one of the best 22 minutes of television I've ever seen in my life. You can find that on its own feed or the Disney Vault Talk feed. Thank you so much for your support, guys. Thank you so much for chiming in with your emails, your tweets. I appreciate every single one of you. Have a great whatever you're having. Until next time, I'm Steve Glosson. We'll see you on the next Geek Out Loud.